Hello and welcome to episode 149 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always. The man, the myth, the high school gym yeast, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello. Well, on football Sundays, my eating schedule mirrors the final hour of Return of the King. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) On this week's episode, Quibi is dead. We include Owen with our Vaughn and discuss the lingering effects of Diane Kruger, along with other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, Dodgeball. But first, Al, what are we drinking? My alternative intro was going to be, oh, Anthony, I heard you're getting into the boys. (laughs) (laughs) Fact. That capped that capped a terrible month of wording for my brother, just generally yeah. speaking. He had yeah. many things. I don't remember now if I if we told you that when we were there, the stories of the other stuff from the bachelor party, which I will not recount on the podcast, just because it requires too much context. Sure. Um, but the bachelor party featured in quick succession two very questionable phrasings. Not yes. even of an innu- sexual innuendo nature. It was just like it's for after the, it's for after the show. It's for after the recording. I'm sorry to anyone who's missed out on it, but this one was in was in response to when we were uh, all gathered for the annual uh, Costanzo, or I guess we'll call it the annual D'Amico um, Oktoberfest. Yeah, that's fair. Dominic decided to ask Anthony about having started watching the boys was saying, Hey Anthony, I heard you're getting into the boys. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this just got Which is just such a great it. phrase. Just a, just a tremendous turn of phrase. I love it. Uh, we, however, are drinking a victory sour monkey. Now you've heard us talk on the podcast many times about our mutual love for victory. Golden monkey. This is the sour. They monkey. sure have cotton. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he will not be able to see very well. (laughs) (laughs) This is Sour Monkey, the Sour Triple. It's 9.5% alcohol by volume. It's tastefully tart, mystical flavor. That sounds like something that Ron Burgundy would have been saying in the the prelude to... (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That is, yeah, that's definitely up there. Fruity notes from imported Belgian yeast swirl through a precise souring. (laughs) Pucker up to a bite of citrus-laden tang, ending with a delectable experience. I think that whole thing could have been something that he read. Yes, I was thinking that as well. That's why I was trying to really enunciate it. Uh, Tastefully tart, mystical flavor. The human torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, uses Pilsner malt, tetaning hops. Um, I believe, actually, I have a little bit more info on the box here. Uh, it's 10 IBUs. Tastefully tart is how our monkeys describe their sour sibling. Born from the same imported malts, Belgian yeast, and magical spices, this monkey decided to take a walk on the tangy side with a swirling citrusy lemon bite and a delectable essence. Oh dear. Better pucker up and respect this monkey. This is exciting. Um, Obviously, we have some pretty cool bottle art. A little purple monkey. A little... Green tongue situation. Uh, he's got a lot of arms. Yeah. Um, the, what's getting me is okay. Let's 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 take the argument of they have four legs with hand-like appendages at the end, right? Because sure. I forget the name. There's a term for that. Uh, that that monkeys have that that all of their hands and feet can be used like hands. I forget. There's there's mm. a, a phrase for that in the like zoology, and I don't remember what the term is now. I actually just okay. heard it fairly recently. A monkey paw. It is not the monkey's paw. 
<laughs> What's freaking me out is that these aren't just hands and hand-like feet. They are no. all hands. All four of the limbs have forearms. Correct. Uh, those hands are super humanoid. They're not all monkey-like. No. Also, no, why does he have a pig, like, corkscrew tail? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I guess their tails can <laughs> can swirl, but not like that. <laughs> not not like that. Not like it's a not like an actual. It's like the thing. like you know like the flying monkey. They had didn't they have curly tails? I the, I don't know the evil. Not monkey, like that. Evil monkey not, doesn't have uh... the evil monkey. No, <laughs> he does not. All right, so um, it's been a while since I've asked you the same question. What makes something a triple? Uh, it's more than a double. What makes something a double? <laughs> uh, it has to do with the amount of... Well, I mean, part of it's the yeast, but it has to do with the amount... The wild yeast? Yes. Uh, no, it doesn't mm. have to be wild, of course. <laughs> uh, though it often is. Um, it has is it a to, trifecta of yeast? <laughs> actually, no, I don't know what the, the specific qualification is. I know that, I mean, it has to do with the grain bill, how much malt is being used. Okay. Um, alcohol content is a part of it as well. Like, I think there's some overlap on the high end of a double and the low end of a triple, but okay. like, generally a double has a higher alcohol content than just a regular quote unquote ale, and then a triple has more, and then a quadruple yeah. has more. Okay. Do doubles range like like between seven and nine, pretty much? Um, I think a little lower for double. I would say like oh, okay. five to seven, and then like a triple. Oh, would be oh okay. Like seven to nine or ten or something like that. And then Gotcha. Quadruple higher, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. They all use, to some degree or other, an additive of sugar, uh, typically Belgian candy sugar. Um, that's where you get that residual sweetness, that almost syrupy sweetness that goes along with it. Okay. Uh, the specific difference, I mean, there's obviously a bunch of different strains of yeast, but this, the family of yeasts that are used for these um, have like a high polyphenol content that often gives tastes of like pepper and cloves and banana. Oh. Although I don't know if you'd be able, the banana can be subtle. I don't know if you will taste the banana past the How much could a banana cost, Al? Ten dollars. Ten dollars. I don't know if you'll be able to get it on top of the sour flavor of this one in particular, but you would get it if you re- drank the regular golden. Mm. I kinda I feel like you could smell that. What, the banana? Yeah. No, I just smell sour. Mm. I smell bananas. I didn't hear you say bananas. <laughs> <laughs> See, um, my first thought, you know, how much could a banana cost? There's always sure. money in the banana stand. I didn't hear bananas. All great references. But sure. when I think of references involving bananas, I always think of, we're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the one I think so of. It's a good one. It's a good one. We still have, we have to do those. It's been... We've talked about them numerous I've times, but only ever seen the first one. I've seen it a million times. Fantastic! But I'll make it even better. One. All right, let's give this sucker a taste, shall we? Cheers! Cheers! That was a fun clink. I'm gonna oh, try that again. Smells so good. Ooh, I like that. All right, here we go. Oh, oh! As you say, you're either yeah. super impressed or super unimpressed, and I can't tell. Which no, is. I'm. Uh, it took until that wry smile graced your face for me to... I'm 100% behind this one. <laughs> I mean, I assumed you. Oh, man. You like sours? Hang on. You Give like, me a second. You like monkeys? They sure do. I love bananas. <laughs> that is really different. Yes. See, I I, like honestly, I don't really taste 
the similarity to the Golden Monkey specifically, but it's such a fucking good sour beer. This is a... We've got a triple fuckle going on here. A triple fuckle? Three fuckles? Yeah, three fuckles for the triple sour. It it can't get over the hump to the fourth fuckle? (laughs) Um... I don't know. It's a hard thing, right? If I were rating sours I specifically. Say, I thought you were going to say it's a hard buckle. <laughs> it's a hard buckle. If I were rating sours specifically, I think I would go four. I mean, are but not, I'm comparing against all beers. Okay. Are not all fuckles hard? I mean, I guess generally you want them, mm. but you don't want mushy fuckles. Definitely not. Ugh, mushy buckles. <laughs> um, oh, oh, my. I, I don't even know. How, this is really tasty. So, like, this not overly. Um, there are some sours that are just like. Okay, like you crack it open, you pour it, and you go, all right, I see what you're doing. Um, this has that smell, I feel like, when I poured it, but it's not overwhelming at all. No, it's like it's like it drew a line at this is too sour and took a half a step back behind it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's got like, um, it's sour though, like it's sour flavor is the most reminiscent of like a Sour Patch Kid of any sour beer that I've had. Yeah, it doesn't have... That fake sickly sweet candy apple or sour apple, like green apple flavor. But no, if, like I for some that, reason, though. that idea is conjured in my mind while I'm smelling and drinking this. Like mm. it doesn't actually taste like it, but it's like it's in the neighborhood. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. And do, do you think that um, that actual like candy like sourness is coming from that sugar that you were talking about? I mean, if you really let this one sit on your palate, you can get some of that candy sh- sugar, the Belgian candy sugar in there. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that contributes to the specifics of the sour experience. What is what is the difference between candy sugar and sugar? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so all I'm picturing right now is, you know rock candy? Yes, it's not that. You know the rock candy that comes on a stick? It's also not that. You know when they sometimes give you that with a cappuccino <laughs> to stir it? I've had that one time. I forgot that it was a thing. <laughs> now, I don't put sugar in my coffee, but you give me rock candy? <laughs> you better ask I'm stirring the coffee. <laughs> um, so what I will tell you is I don't know what makes it so, but... The consistency of the Belgian candy sugar, though it's like very, very white and looks like regular, like um, granulated. W H I T. Yes. E. <laughs> it looks like granulated sugar like that. The consistency is very similar to brown sugar. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Now, this I, don't, is... I don't know what makes it that, but like. It is as pure white as regular sugar is, but it has the consistency and the stickiness of the brown sugar. Uh, breaking news, Al. Yes. The fourth thuckle has arrived. The fourth thuckle has emerged? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was there a puff of white smoke that involved? It was. Yes. <laughs> it, was it came and uh, it was carrying rock candy <laughs> on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> We've received a raven. The fourth thuckle has it's arrived. It's so good. No, this is, this is really good. I, uh... I want to savor every sip of it. I should probably go on and update the last like eight episodes worth of beers on the Flix and a Six Untapped. I've been a little lazy the last few mm. weeks. You know what I think we should do? We should we should have a limited number of thuckles per year, a th- and a we can attribute quota? them. <laughs> and we can attribute them to the beers along the way, and 
we can debit from previous ratings and move Thuckles along. <laughs> I don't know if I'm on board with this Thuckle quota. <laughs> it's like the it's like a, a Thuckle stock market. Uh, My Thuckles need to be free. I mean, yeah. uh, I do not like constrained Thuckles. <laughs> We're just trading Thuckles on the floor. <laughs> How much could a Thuckle cost? Ten dollars. <laughs> Oh man, I'm very happy with this one. Thank you very much for bringing this on to my. I know this has been a bit of a white whale for me. I've wanted this since Kevin was drinking one on an episode of the Shortcast, Hmm. and I was listening, and I was like, I did not know that was a thing, and I need it in my life. I'm gonna have to grab a pack of these because uh, this this one will definitely be right up Kim's alley for sure. Oh man, what a treat! What a treat. Oh, man. I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about that one. I don't want that beer to end. <laughs> well, now I feel bad. Very I upsetting. didn't buy a six-pack. I should have given you two. I, I mean, I, no, I had okay. a feeling you were going to like it, but I just... It's okay. I'll go, I'll go buy some. It's fine. I did see it the other day, so it's av- it's available here. I mean, it should be. It's closer to you. Than you never know, man. You just... You never know. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a popular Pennsylvania brewery. Like Sure. Sure. Um, what do you say... Wait... How many thuckles are you giving it? I mean, yeah, I'm in that three to four range for sure. Three to four. Four thuckles. Yeah. Has the fourth one arrived? (laughs) 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 All right. uh, Let's get into some news and nuggets, shall we? Yes. Uh, Al, I hear, hear tell. I hear tell. That's another one, right? (laughs) And Al. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I, uh... I did get to use it the other day. I was pretty happy, happy with myself, even though it didn't like quite fit. Uh, you got it, and it was fun. Um, the uh, uh, th- there is a, a holiday special in the works. Yeah, we know nothing about that. We've definitely never done a secret holiday episode about. Uh, about <laughs> definitely that. not. Uh, nah, nah. Drinking fear movie lions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what we had. That makes perfect sense for that episode. Just chaos. Pure chaos. Words, punctuation, chaos. Questionable <laughs> punctuation. There was three sure. slashes at one point. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you didn't remember that? Yeah, we, we specifically chose that one because of the absurdity of the name. Stone. I just remember how, how blown away I was that like I had heard stories, but nothing could have prepared me for that. You looked like you got punched in the face. I felt that way. Um, anyway, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special will have... Ray fight Darth Vader and more crossover craziness. This is on Slash Film. This was from a couple of days ago. The Star Wars holiday special is so infamous that George Lucas has not only disavowed it entirely, but it has been said that he would gladly smash every copy with a sledgehammer. Hmm. However, Disney is hoping to give fans a better way to celebrate Life Day with the Lego Star <laughs> Wars holiday special. The animated special is coming to Disney Plus next month. It will bring all three of the Star Wars trilogies together in a cross-timeline adventure that will have character meetings that would otherwise be impossible, including Rey fighting Darth Vader. Nice. And Entertainment Weekly has some new details on the LEGO Star Wars holiday special coming to Disney Plus on November 17th. Executive producer James Waugh reassures fans, quote, this is not like a LEGO Star Wars remake of the holiday special in any way, but what it does is lean into the conceits that were created in that holiday special. Hang on a second. What? <laughs> what does that exactly mean? Yeah, I, I <laughs> just uncomfortableness. Yeah, what are the conceits of the original holiday special? 
Is it uncomfortable sexual innuendo? Sure. Is it pregnant pauses that would force a doctor to immediately give a cesarean, se- cesarean section? Mm-hmm. Is it Harvey Corman? What exactly are the conceits of this? Or is it grandpa masturbation? <laughs> well, that I was just going to lump that into the umbrella of uncomfortable oh, sexual okay. innuendo. Oh, okay. Got it. Sorry. Um, there was a, or is it creepy, creepy Wookiee face? <laughs> creepy, you can't forget creepy Wookiee face. Jefferson Starship. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What a ridiculous thing. Yeah, I don't know. So it's, what is it in, like, I guess the idea that just like, oh, we're just gonna, characters will be there. I feel like that's the only thing they could mean, Let right? Let me continue from the concepts oh, that boy. were created in that holiday special. That's because the story still unfolds on Life Day. But what happens in this new special will be unlike any Star Wars project that came before it. Okay. While elaborated. Quote, we started realizing that the way they play with them isn't with canonical separation. It's not, let's put all the classic trilogy sets here, the prequel sets here, and new sequel sets here. My son literally just dumps his bucket out. We realized that was a play pattern that would actually inform the fun of the show. Mm. One of the impossible meetings we'll see Ray encountering Darth Vader and having a lightsaber battle. They're really selling us on this lightsaber battle. Yeah. There, there is a picture <laughs> of a Lego Ray with her from the end of episode nine, yellow lightsaber crossed with Darth Vader. And behind nice. him is stormtroopers. And like, it's only part of the head of another, it looks like an alien creature. I'm not entirely sure what it is specifically. Uh, it kind of looks like they might be sitting a stride up pod, as in pod racing. They're oh. definitely on Tatooine. I sure hope this pod racing. Um, this is this pod, racing. Is pod racing. Oh, hey, <laughs> next next line down. As you can see, that's Sebulba's pod racer behind. Me. Oh yeah, here we go <laughs> with a stormtrooper and Sebulba in the cockpit. Okay, I couldn't. This tell sounds like the fan fiction that I wrote when I was in grade school. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't tell. I knew it was some sort of alien, but I couldn't tell what it was because you only see his face from like here up. <laughs> Hang on, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> that's the next line. <laughs> it all has something to do with a mysterious Jedi temple that somehow launches her into this adventure, allowing Rey to experience moments and interact with characters from the stories that came before her. That means okay. multiple versions of characters like Obi-Wan Kenobi, Han Solo, and Nice. Star Wars has one of the most meticulously maintained canons in fiction, especially since Disney bought Lucasfilm and effectively wiped out the Star Wars expanded universe and rebooted anything that was written about Star Wars after So having something fun like the Lego Star Wars holiday special that allows fans to see zany crossovers has the potential to be a great distraction while we wait to hear what's next for the Star Wars saga, especially since the holidays are going to be marred by the coronavirus pandemic sticking around. Wa added, we really wanted to do... Well, sorry, what we really wanted to do was create a piece of entertainment that could be watched every year. In this age of nonstop oh, content... Okay. Something that you can actually just go back to over and over every year is rare. What excites me is that I think we achieved that and the story has heart to it. Nice. Uh, That's exciting because, um, if anything... Hang on, hang on. Final line. At least we don't have to worry about some kind of musical interlude by B. Arthur. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, I will say I'm... I'm, That actually... I'm kind of excited about this. Uh, The Lego franchise as a medium for movies and shorts and stuff like that is pretty solid like they they have a they they do well with those things they're very funny um they're usually lighthearted. i feel like it'll be uh it'll play well um within this within the star wars universe for for 
basically putting the old holiday special like way down the line. Let's forget all about this. And then this could become the Star Wars holiday special. That would be a really cool thing. Uh, that being said, I'm, I just like, I, we, uh, this is obviously we're going to have to do this, right? This will be a, this will be an episode. I mean, I this, will, think this that will probably be our holiday episode. I'm imagining this will be our holiday episode. I do think it's going to have to tie into your 30th birthday in some, in some fashion. It's coming out a couple of days before then. So um, we'll make it, we'll make it happen. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I do think we need to watch it together. That would be ideal. Maybe over some of these, some of these Jack Savvies that have been sitting on top of my fridge. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited for those. So we'll, uh, we'll make that happen. But this is, I mean, this could be cool. I'm, I think it'll actually be fun. Yeah. I mean, There's I, a good chance that it's actually also really good. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it could be good for what it's going to be, right? Um, I've mm-hmm. heard that the, the hell is it called? They do that that series on one of the, I don't know if it's been migrated over to Disney Plus now, but it was on I think Disney XD or something like that. It's Galaxy of Something, and they take iconic scenes from different Star Wars eras and they animate them and they do different takes on them. Hmm. And it actually even kind of sometimes it changes the perspective on it, and sometimes it actually it even has outright rewritten some of it but it's, it's been kind of it's treated as a kind of weird hybrid fringe borderline between legends and canon okay uh i forget what it's called but i've i've heard that they're interesting uh i've heard that they're they're good and i think they're shorts like some of them are like five minutes long some are like 10 minutes long whatever like i forget exactly okay I, i've never watched any of them but it's been a running thing for a few years now that's on disney plus I don't know if it's on Disney Plus now. It was definitely oh. on Disney because I know I would see it when oh, I had the gotcha, Disney gotcha, app gotcha. on to watch Rebels or right um, that stupid show that was terrible, uh, Resistance. Resistance. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, damn. I did. It was <laughs> bad. It was really bad. <laughs> oh man, that's rough. Well, I'm looking forward to that, and uh, you, audience, should look forward to. The uh, just the shenanigans that I am planning on getting us into for Al's thirtieth. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. You've been hinting at this for weeks now. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's gonna be great. Uh, Al, you mentioned to me before the show that Quibi is dead, and I have one question for you: What is Quibi? <laughs> oh, you don't know what Quibi is? No. Oh my god, this is phenomenal. How do <laughs> how do you know? I feel like this is. I'm not saying actually. I think it just broke L. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm just shocked because I, I expect that you would have had a similar level of distaste for it that I did. I do think you would be more intrigued by the concept than I was ultimately, but I think you mm. would probably view it pragmatically the way I did and was like, cool idea, probably not going to work type of thing. So Quibi is short for Quick Bites. And it, All right, hang on. First off, no. I know. There's been, trust me, any jokes that you think of while we talk about this for the next five or ten minutes, trust me, they've been heard. No, it doesn't deserve jokes. They've been, they've, they've Don't like it. been beaten to death, and the, the beaten the horse to death, and then they've beaten it to death again with the dead horse. Peter, um, stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> yes, basically. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the whole principle behind it was it was a streaming platform that was going to create TV shows and movies to be consumed in short bites 
on the go. Why? <laughs> that is one of the many questions that's been asked. Um, this is a paid streaming service? Oh, yeah, 100%. How much did this thing cost? I and, gotta know. Well, let's find out, because I'm going to bring up this article on Vulture about Quibi dying from a couple of days ago. Maybe it was last week, I forget. Uh, it definitely was for last week, because I had this on the notes pumped mm. up last week. Um, this is on Vulture. It was updated on the 21st. Quick, Quibi, Quick Bites the Dust by Justin Cardo. Well, well, well. Just over six months after it launched, short-form streaming service Quibi is shutting down, the Wall Street Journal reports. Founder Jeffrey Katzenberg, previously Walt Disney Studios chairman and DreamWorks CEO, told investors the news on October 21st, according to journal sources. Quote, we'll share a statement this afternoon. For now, we don't have a comment. A source also tells Vulture the company is holding an all-hands meeting at 6 p.m., of that day that was a week ago. Uh, Katzenberg pulled the plug after a restructuring firm hired by Quibi recommended shutting down as an option earlier this week. That development came after Quibi floated a sale last month, also reported by the Wall Street Journal. Since its launch, the service dealt with low viewership on its shows, which include such esteemed fare as the Anna Kendrick sex doll show. Uh, sorry, uh, rather, that is was titled Dummy. Uh, that, was a, that was a joke. That's parenthetical by me. Uh, <laughs> Action Kutcher's Punked, and something called Murder House Flip. Wait, Punked was back? <laughs> See, that was one what? of the things I didn't know. <laughs> Katzenberg initially blamed the COVID-19 Amazing. pandemic, given Quibi's... Okay, yeah, sure, that's <laughs> what the problem was. I Got know, it. I know. Debut about a month after it began, rather than facing initial issues like the lack of capability to screenshot. But numbers released in July estimated that just 72,000 people converted to pay subscriptions after their three-month free trials expired. Finally, answering our question, quote, is anyone watching Quibi? <laughs> oh, my God. With a resounding no. Maybe wow. things would have gone differently if they called it Oma Case instead. That joke goes over my head. There's a link I'm not clicking on there. Fair well, enough. here's to hoping Nikki Fresh with a dollar sign in front of the S. That was a, I believe a show that featured Nicole Richie rapping about different things. Uh, I remember reading about that. And game show, and the game is spelled with a Y, so I'm assuming that it was a game show featuring heavily gay people. Okay. Based on the spelling of the word. Um, Can land on proper streaming services where they belong, and that Joe Budden doesn't let CEO Meg Whitman anywhere near her cabinet. His cabinet. I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. Uh, this was an update later at the end of the thing. You know it's bad when billionaires are writing apology notes that are available for public consumption. On Wednesday evening, Quibi founders Meg Whitman and Jeffrey Katzenberg posted an open letter on Medium explaining their decision to disband the streaming platform after just six months. Quote, Quibi was a big idea and there was no one who wanted to make a success of it more than we did. Our failure was not for lack of trying. We've considered and exhausted every option available to us. In the letter, Whitman and Katzenberg acknowledged that despite their best efforts, there may not have been enough demand in the marketplace for a short-form streaming platform, capitulating that, quote, the idea itself wasn't strong enough to justify a standalone streaming service. Okay, so I I know it's easy when somebody has an idea to be like, that's stupid. It totally is. And it's also usually not fair to be that way. Nah, this is fucking stupid. That being said, <laughs> that's that's where I stand on this. I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, I'm actually surprised because this feels like the exact type of thing you would have been plugged into, like being aware of. No, no, no. So I looked up game show and it's uh, IMDb synopsis. Uh, 
Straight contestants are paired with celebrity partners as they do battle for the title of Queen of the Straits. <laughs> I I don't know what could possibly be going on in that game show, but the uh, the picture, the like, the art is what I assume the two hosts of the show uh, riding a unicorn that is jumping through the sky and shitting a rainbow. Oh, fantastic! So it's fantastic. So I'm trying to find this other story, like the one I originally saw, because. There was some more information involved with it. The one I just read from wasn't the original one I'd seen, but this was a week ago, so I, and I didn't hold on to it. Because there was some more information about some of the specifics of the shows and what happened. I feel weird okay, about I this. this. I think this is the one. It was on Dead. Right, what do you got? Um, they are... <laughs> Sorry, the, <laughs> the beginning is great. Quibi, the mobile streaming service, launched amid great fanfare and nearly $2 billion in startup capital. By Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman. Excuse me? Is officially shutting down. Oh, yeah. Excuse me? This one had big money in it. That's why this whole what? thing is so fascinating. Um, Two billion dollars behind this idea? Oh, yeah. Uh, so the management team's exploring options, including selling content. It has 100 shows. Or the entire service what? should a buyer emerge. Attempts to shop it thus far have not gained traction. Including what's owed to creditors, it said about $350 million will be left from the roughly $1.8 billion in capital that was raised from a group of media companies, venture firms, investment banks, and individual backers. Uh, the winding now process is going to take months. Um, failure will put 200 people out of work. Uh, the roster of quick bite programming from A-list creators like Steven Spielberg, Guillermo del Toro, and Antoine Fuqua, and also which investors will take the steep loss- losses. Quibi backers included such Hollywood players as Disney, E1, Fox, ITV, Lionsgate, MGM, NBC Universal, Sony Pictures, Viacom, and Warner Media. Tech investors include e-commerce giant Alibaba. Strategic partner investors included Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan Chase, Liberty Global, Drone Capital, the last of which led the round. The BBC oh also invested. Uh, I have here, so I don't. I I apologize if you already mentioned this, but four ninety nine four ninety nine. A month with ads. And then there was seven, a, an ad-free one, yeah. Seven ninety nine without. Um, both of which are... Okay, here's... Okay. <laughs> uh, here's So here's the thing. You no, know no, how I, I feel about... A second. I just want to yeah. take that moment. When... <laughs> you have to preempt the preempting of the here's the thing. <laughs> the layers of fuckery involved in this story are overwhelming. I had to, yeah, I, yeah, uh, I had to brace myself for what I was about to bring you up. You had to brace yourself uh, for the bracing of yourself? <laughs> exactly. Here's a, there is a very, there's a thing that I, I just can't, I can't get past. I, I refuse to. Just the one? Because we went on, the, this specific thing, it's a big one for me. Is it the Quibi uh, being for quick bites? Yeah, uh, no, that's uh, that's number two on my list. You seem pretty hung up on that. So. No, I'm, I'm I'm not thrilled about it. That's for sure. Uh, here's what's bothering me the most, and you know how I feel about this. We've talked about this before. If I am giving you the dollars, you are not giving me ads. Yes, that's it. Well, period. At least as far as streaming goes, for sure. End. No, that's it. <laughs> well, we we have disagreed on that slightly with live tv but if you're gonna pay for a streaming service for sure yeah no it's absolute horseshit yeah absolutely not you are you are paying for 30 percent ads at that point yes that's unacceptable 
end. Well, we've allowed I, this I, to happen. I, I, As a society, we've... Well, maybe not now. Maybe not with Quibi. Maybe not with these quick bites, which quickly bit the dust. We're not <laughs> dealing with that. We're not... No, we're not allowing them to do it. But Hulu? Come on, guys. No. I'm sorry. No. Medium ground pricing, somewhere in between those two points, that has no ads? Maybe I can get on board with. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Um, it's just unacceptable to me. So uh, the, not, only, no, so no. the only site that I use that has ads that has payment is Hulu, but it's not even my account. So for me, it is free. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, yeah, like, you know. Sure. Um, what I will say is I, and I mentioned it when we were talking about um, high fidelity. Um, God was the way they put the ads. <laughs> oh my so God. Jarring. Yeah, they, because they don't, they don't have the the shows are not made with the intentional ad cut. Yes, right. So there's one problem. Two, I don't remember which service it was, but there was a service for a while that maybe it was View. There was a service I had at one point where it was like you hit the commercial break and it's like we were giving you three ads and we're counting down on the top left. So it's like mm-hmm. great, I know how I know how many ads there are going to be. But then it's the same ad three times. Oh. And I- <laughs> I've been getting it on podcast this week. One of the ones Ooh. I listen to has ad roll that like 80% of it is Geico. And mm-hmm. forget about the fact that they're playing the same three ads over and over and over. They're frequently getting two blocks in the one minute in the, ad in the one. It's the same one. Like, give me two of your three, please. The yeah, one, that's... my sanity, give me two of them. That's insane. That's insane to me. No, I can't. I can't even stand it. I hate it. I hate it all. <laughs> I'm not paying for ads. You can bite me. <laughs> you can quickly bite me. <laughs> um, but saying, is this going to be one of those things now that it's dead? Uh, Quibi's dead. Yes. Never heard of it. But now I've heard of it. Am I going to start hearing about Quibi everywhere? I'm just surprised you never heard of it because there were months of jokes online about this. And like no, I, the majority of those jokes were, it was pre-pandemic. Like it was, because mm. like they said, it rolled out a month before. Because most of what I was reading about this was in like the December to January like time. Dude, it's very possible that like I came across it and it was a word that was not a word. And I, my brain was just like, we, the RAM is out. We just, we've got nothing left. <laughs> And we, I just moved on. Ah, uh, I don't know. But now that if I start seeing about it, ever, hearing about it everywhere, uh, what's going on with Diane Kruger? <laughs> well, no, no. For, first, I was just like, because you were asking a little bit more of like, there were real people. But like, go and look up, look up ads because they, they were, were real people. No, no, like, because we were talking about the money. Like, there was real creatives like involved. There was this show, Dummy with Anna Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe she fall. Like, think the the. The central conceit of that one is that she accidentally finds the sex doll of it's either her boyfriend or husband or brother. I don't remember. And she falls in love with the sex doll or something like that, or the sex doll becomes sentient and she forms a relationship with it. I don't remember. Uh, They were doing a remake of The Fugitive with Kiefer Sutherland, which I know I saw an ad for that show. What? There was a lot of other shows as well that were like there was documentaries. Um, they were doing the partnerships with ESPN and Wait, sixty minutes for their things. Why can I still subscribe to this thing? Well, I'm sure they're going to leave that open just to steal as many dollars as they can while they wind down. Yeah. Okay. Still though, this is kind of crazy. Um, no, just I, I I've man. 
<laughs> you broke me with this one. I don't. I don't think I've been less interested in something. Yeah. So the whole like the whole idea of this, <laughs> the whole idea of this of this service was that you would watch episodes that could range from like three to twelve minutes long, and the idea was like it was basically a streaming service only for people who lived in and lived and worked in cities, like. You're getting you're waiting on the platform for your train so you can watch four minutes of a show. And the whole episode of the show is only four minutes. So you don't have to as a person who has worked in the city. No, you're not because you don't have service. <laughs> I'm just telling you this is what they were saying. I'm not saying that it would okay. worked. or, hey, I'm waiting online for coffee for 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, not no, an maybe just I don't know. Look up. Take a breath. Well, why are we trying to capitalize on people's 30 seconds at a time? Don't get me wrong. When I'm waiting on lines for stuff like that, I'm on my phone. But you know what I'm not doing? Okay. I'm not watching a show. Yeah, what would you put your headphones in? Or no, are they also expecting you to be obnoxious about it and just play it through the speakers? Are you going to be that guy? Because that feels on par with what's happening. Well, this is why I'm saying service. I'm assuming they mean city. Because if you walk, walk around in the city pre-pandemic, this everyone's got fucking headphones. is garbage. Ow. Oh, absolutely. Don't, garbage. I, I, I spent a long time laughing at this whole idea as well. Who the fuck wants to watch 10 minutes of something and that's the beginning and the end? I gotta, I have to assume that, like, how did they, how did this take off? How did this start? Like, was Two there a focus? Was it, I know, was there a focus group? Did like, or was it just people with money that were like, well, this sounds like a good idea. And they did and they did it. It was two rich 65-year-olds who decided that that's what young people want. Okay. See, that makes sense. And then it failed. Hey, young people have short attention spans. I read that in Reader's, Reader's Digest. Oh, my uh, God. Let's... Reader's Digest. <laughs> that was why I chose What it. a blast. What a blast from the past that is. What else does 65-year-olds read? Wait, what What else? I don't know. Uh, chicken soup for the soul. <laughs> <laughs> you might have beat me. You might have, you might have raised my readers dodges and bet a chicken soup for the soul. You might have beat me. <laughs> oh, man. Reader. Wow. You honestly, you broke me with that one. I haven't thought. That's a that's a term or a word of phrase what I, that I have not thought about in, I don't know, since like I was, I don't know, 10 and like they were on the top portion of the toilet, <laughs> they, they were in our bathroom. In Mama and Papa's house, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I live there. <laughs> I know. I, that's why I said it because no one under the age of sixty-five owned those. That's right. Those are a, right. things of a bygone era. And Here's anyone a, who's listening to this now hasn't thought about them in at least ten years either. And they're going back to a pre-Y2K era in which they were little kids and they were at their grandparents' house and they saw those. Yeah, but dude, here's the thing. I'm on the uh I this You're on the I'm on the I'm office. on the cusp, right? Where it's like I remember a time where you like took a crap and you didn't have a phone. Right? Mm -hmm. And I've read Reader Reader's Digest. And honestly Yeah, me too, on the toilet when I was like eight years old. Exactly. And I thought it had something to do with digesting <laughs> because well, it was in the bathroom. When you put it on top of the toilet, and the only time you read it is after you've digested, of course you thought that. Who's going to digest? The readers. Pick up this book and exactly. you will clear your bowels. <laughs> that, 
I don't understand how uh, anyone could think anything other than Man, Reader's Digest. I'm blown away. Does this still exist? Uh, it absolutely does. Okay, so here's the thing. When we have enough of a following that we can start doing giveaways, what we are going to give away is a subscription to Reader's Digest to an enemy of your choice. <laughs> When we open up the brewery, we're going to have Reader's Digest on the, the counter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, the, 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 the final line of the epitaph of Quibi is, who the fuck? I mean, listen, everyone has been on the go. Sure. I've talked about how much I've watched shows at work. And, you know, uh, sometimes I'm only watching them in one or three or five or ten minute clips because I have to do work in between watching those clips, right? You know okay. what I do? I press pause. Yeah. Then, yeah. Then I come back and watch it from there. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. The shortest thing I watch is our YouTube videos. I, even those, like, occasionally they're long and I'll do the same thing. I'll, I'll hold on to them. I'll go back to them later. I've got no, there's no, I don't need, I don't need the whole thing up front. Well, it's also like, that's not even like a show. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a one self contained unit of a thing. Isn't that a yeah no for sure the this quibby thing though like so is each is each thing a scene I I don't know because I obviously didn't have it uh, sure no every episode was like I don't know six minutes or ten minutes or whatever okay so where my question then becomes where's the threshold right when do you when do you become a television show ten minutes you're pushing into an hour long AMC show. <laughs> <laughs> I love how over the course of this show, we've gotten progressively more insulting to The Walking Dead, where the jokes started at, you're getting 42 minutes of content in your hour and 10 of AMC time, to you're now getting 10 minutes in an hour-long episode. That's right. AMC is Quibi. Yeah. um... (laughs) If AMC could charge you for just ads, they 100% would. So here's the thing. I didn't see this substantiated. I looked into it for a minute or two when this story first broke. Did not have the wherewithal to continue on my pursuit. I also saw that what this actually was all about, supposedly, was by having shows and movies broken up into such small chunks, they were allowed to skirt SAG union rules oh because the length of the things that they were doing were not like feature or whatever for tv episodes or movies <laughs> okay what does this mean so they could charge much less money or pay out much less money rather to writers and actors and directors okay so all of this was really just a fucking scam sure well Scam's probably not. Oh, wait, hang on. Quibi was a scam? Right? (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, so this, I I don't know if that's true. I did not have the patience to look into it, but it sounds Or the interest. What? Or the interest, for being honest. No, actually, I was kind of interested by that. That that is, I think, curiosity. I just... That is interesting. Have the time or patience. But, uh... Sure. It's also that. 
<laughs> Jeez. Man, I am so glad that I got this lesson on Quibi in its in its final hours. <laughs> a week after its final hours, in fact. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's tremendous. Alright, what's next? Uh well, I don't know. Now that I'm gonna hear Kruger. Oh, I, I, yeah. Right. Oh boy. Oh, oh boy. What do you got for me? So we got a lot of Diane Kruger. This is like gonna be Diane Kruger exception here because oh. there's I have like so many layers to the Diane Kruger effect this week. So let's start with this first. As we have discussed multiple times over the last several weeks. Um we have referring to the phenomenon of which you see or hear about something and then you notice it all over the place. That's right. I could not know, remember the name of it. I know there is a hyphenated name for for that thing. I don't remember why we called it the Diane Kruger effect. It doesn't matter. We're calling it the Diane Kruger effect. Because you called it the Dunnan Kruger and you said that's not right. That's and right. I heard Diane Kruger that's and I was right. like, that's definitely not right. I said I keep having uh, this, this hyphenated... Quick aside, motion to rename this podcast... The Diane Kruger effect. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. I said I keep having the name Dunning Kruger pop around in my mind, but that's not the right thing. The Dunning refers to something else. So I know you don't know anything about football, but fact. Here we go. So Jerry Jones. Do you know who Jerry Jones? Is? No, you lost me. He owns the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> He's okay, the most famous football owner around. Can, I just want to pause you right there for a second. A couple of times in the past two months, sports have come up. And normally, what's happened, I, I guess questions have not normally been directed at me specifically, or like there hasn't been a pause for me to say something. But I have been very honest that I have no idea what people are talking about, and it breaks them. <laughs> no, see, I know this. I know that you have only the slightest tangential knowledge of baseball, and that's only because yeah. Kim is right. Mm-hmm. Um, Nailed it. <laughs> I generally like to think that I know a bit about you. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> anyway, so Jerry Jones owns the Dallas Cowboys. This is from an article on The Athletic. It's from Mike Lombardi, who does a good job writing about football topics, a great job on podcasting. He worked in front offices for football teams for a very long time for some of the most famous owners, coaches, and GMs. Um, what is a front office? Well, so... Um, it's generally like on-field coaching staff, and then front office is like they. It's like the general manager, the scouts, all the people who are involved with the business end of like acquiring and trading players for the roster. Gotcha. And what is the back office? Well, the back office is like the actual finance stuff. I is guess. there a side office? Uh, I mean, I'm sure the does it have staff is on the <laughs> side office. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Mike Lombardi's writing this, so just bear with me. You'll see where this is going soon enough, okay? When Cowboys owner Jerry Jones first hired Mike McCarthy, parenthetical, Mike McCarthy used to be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. He won a Super Bowl as coach of the Green Bay Packers. My thought was that he'd bring a sense of toughness, accountability, and discipline to the boys, referring to the Cowboys, not the show. As (laughs) well as you're getting into the boys. (laughs) I know, that's why I said it. I thought that Jones had finally seen the light, he was finally admitting he needed a change. I felt McCarthy would tell Jones what he needed to hear, not what he wanted to hear. Jones needs the truth. He needs to hear a different tune. And most of all, Jones needs to know his way is not working. We all treat the Cowboys and Jones like NFL royalty. Yet when you examine the facts and move away from the Jones public relation machine, 
They have been below average the last 25 years. I don't care that Jones is in the Hall of Fame. That's not relevant. Jones is in the Hall for the game's advancement, not for his understanding of the, of the game. It's been 25 years since the boys have won a Super Bowl. What's even more remarkable is they have only been to the playoff 10 times in the last 25 years and have not appeared in the NFC title game. I thought McCarthy, with his rough-and-tumble ways and straightforward personality, would be like Jimmy Malone from the classic 1987 movie The Untouchables. Nice. Malone was a tough guy, wouldn't take any crap from anyone, and was always willing to lay down his life for a great cause. His role was to help American Prohibition agent Elliot Ness understand what it would take to beat Al Capone. Ness was naive. His knowledge of the underworld was superficial, underestimating the lengths Capone would go to win the war. Until Malone explained the powerful truth, Ness would have never completely understood how hard it would be to send Capone to prison. McCarthy would be the Malone to Jerry Jones's Ness. Did he? Hang on. He, did he just lose it for a second and just dive deep into the plot of Intouchables? Well, so this. <laughs> so the thing you have to understand about about Lombardi is he's a huge fan about of all of these mob movies and shows. Goodfellas, okay. The Godfather, The Untouchables, Sopranos. He's a huge fan of all of it. Got so it. the reason I brought this up is because I was reading this article like whatever it was two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. And I was like, oh my God, this is the Diane Kruger effect in effect. We just watched this movie for the yep. show. And 100%. here he is going in a deep dive. And I'm like, I totally understand this reference now. I would have had no idea had I never seen the movie. Oh my God. And it happened. There was like a form of untouchables inception when you tried to make me grab the quad beer that I do not have because we drank it already. <laughs> but we did Untouchables. <laughs> now, I'm going to scroll past a, the body of this to the last couple paragraphs. Um, where are we here? He goes on. Uh, really good, really good story if you're a football fan and you want to. So this is the final two paragraphs. Um, sorry, uh, he goes on. I'm going to paraphrase the one right before it. He's talking about how Jerry Jones has modeled his organization over the Raiders is Al Davis for year for decades. He was the owner of the Raiders, but he was also the GM and for a brief time, I believe the head coach. And he actually had real football knowledge while being the owner of the team. Whereas most owners don't Jones is trying to model his the same way, but he doesn't actually have the knowledge. So it picks up here. Jones does not have this vast knowledge. Jones is Jones is what people refer to in the business world as having the Dunning Kruger effect of management. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh my god, this is like mind-blowing, like it's the Diane Kruger effect and the Dunning-Kruger effect, all in the same article. It's oh like, my goodness. In psychology, the Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias. Described by social psychologists David Dunning and Justin Kruger, this bias results from successful people in one field who then believe that success without vast knowledge can extend to other endeavors. It can't and it never does. Their lack of self-awareness creates a void in evaluating their own performance, leading to poor results over an extended period. After not being able to compete for a Super Bowl in 25 years, wouldn't you think Jones would stop and say, my way isn't working? No. Instead, he doubles down and hires a Super Bowl winning coach and then doesn't give him any power to do his job because he is an example of Dunning-Kruger. Wow. That's insane. So not, okay, this, this just took another level, right? So it's like, not only, so Untouchables Diane-Kruger effect, we brought in the Dunning-Kruger effect to explain it. Exactly. And then bringing it back again later on in the article, for some reason, felt like hearing it again somewhere else. And <laughs> you want the final cherry on top of this whole Please. Thing? So after reading this and knowing I was going to bring this up on the show, 
I finally found the name of the actual phenomenon. It's the Botter-Meinhof effect. Oh, yeah, it is. See? Yeah, it is. I, I was like, I knew. And now I'm going to hear that everywhere, and I'm going to chuckle. <laughs> and I was looking it up. Well, so this is why I've always been confused about it, because I know it's called that. I know I've seen that. I always forget the name of the term. It's funny that it's also two German names, whatever. Um, and I was like, I've always been thrown off by the fact. I was like, why is it so specifically called Bader-Meinhof? Because Bader-Meinhof was the name of a terrorist group in Europe in the 70s, 80s, and I guess the 90s. So I looked up the origins of the term, and it's because people couldn't remember where they had heard Bader-Meinhof, and that it was in reference to the terrorist group. Oh my god. What a mindfuck. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, other people might know them more commonly as the Red Army Faction, because apparently they never went by Bader-Meinhof, and the Red Army Faction had its own splinter cells, Red Brigade, the Green Brigade, and all those fun things. But regardless... Oh, man. That's so good. Bader-Meinhof. That's so good. Now, this made my just day. to be clear, we, we have all had a, a history lesson. We've all had a lesson on cognitive bias. We all know now that it's called the Bader-Meinhof effect. But forevermore on the show, it's going to be referred to as the Diane. Oh, 100%. I'm just waiting for the date. Like, it's like almost, I'm almost, I'm like 99% sure he listens to the show. That's one. Two, I, now in the next article, I need him to refer to it as the dying <laughs> Just to, just no, to if, do it. If, if Mike Lombardi was aware of this podcast, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my goodness. That's fantastic. That was very, Al, that was a good one. <laughs> it was. I like that. I'm I like glad that. that you appreciated it. That all, you know, also Mike, I'm sure he liked that, you know, one consistent listener that we have. I will say the numbers have spiked recently. I don't know what that's about, but hey, welcome new listeners. <laughs> I, I'm glad. I, I, I'm glad. You know, we have these like periodic, like we'll like stay very static on how many people listen and then we have a jump. And then yeah, I, I honestly have no idea what that's about. Um, but uh, you know what? I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm going to appreciate sure. it. Welcome, sure. new listeners. I hope you guys have been enjoying our repeated references to the Diane Kruger effect. I hope you're enjoying reading because we haven't had a good reading in a while. And we've had multiple readings in this one. That's that's true. That's true. Uh, can you hit me up with what's going on with Owen Wilson? Oh, absolutely. So this was sent to me not too long before we started recording. Oh, and, uh, hot take. I got to yeah. No, I got to dig this up from my phone because uh, someone sent this to me. Oh no, where is it? A little elevator music for you while you dig it up. Appreciate your use of the girl from Ipanema. Okay. Owen Wilson has made around, and I don't know if these numbers are true. Just so just bear with. Okay. Owen Wilson has made around two hundred and seventeen million eight hundred thirty-eight dollars from his movies. He averages around thirty-five hundred words per movie in forty-seven movies. That's about $1,324 per word. Wow was 102 of those words. Owen Wilson has made roughly $135,072 from saying wow. That's the greatest <laughs> breakdown ever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Can you please, I know we don't do this very often, can you uh, please find a clip of him saying wow and splice it in here in the episode? I can try, like, for sure. Like, what do you think? Judiciously, where you think that it belongs to be. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. That the oh, the, the Owen Wilson. It's great. Wow it's a great story. It's so incredible. 
the videos in which people splice in his wows for sound effects. Oh yeah, those are, are the best. Great. In particular, the scene from Attack of the Clones, not Attack of the Clones, Phantom Menace when when Darth Maul is fighting Qui Gon. Yeah, and replacing the lightsabers with wows. Yeah, yeah re- it's oh my pretty God, great. It's just pretty great. Chef's kiss. I like the. Uh, I honestly, I'm just on board with. They've done a supercut where it's just all of the times that he said it, so there's no repeats. <laughs> and it's the actual clip of him saying it, and it's mind blowing. Yeah, it's 102 <laughs> of them. I, I love how like it's a lot of the same. Wow, 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 wow. And then every once in a while, one's cut in there where he just goes, "Wow, wow, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, what's going on? Uh, what what are we pre Manda watching? Oh, so did you hear about the potential leak involving the Mandalorian? Season no. Two? Just going to preface this to calm your nerves. Nothing okay. spoilery in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so. It's because I, I already like put my fist through the computer and threw things. <laughs> yes, uh, because you've already yanked your headphones out of the, <laughs> out of the yeah. microphone so you can't hear me. Um, wow. <laughs> so apparently there was some sort of leak about the first episode of The Mandalorian. And we know for a fact, hopefully it's a fact, that it's 52 That's the leak? Oh, yeah. The leak is the time of the episode? The runtime, yeah. All right. Well, for one, it's a lot longer than any of the episodes last season, I'm pretty sure. Oh, is that true? Yeah, weren't they all roughly half an hour? I have no idea. They were, I think, in like the 28 to 45 minute range. I just remember watching that show and feeling like Christmas. And I'm really, because it was around Christmas time. And I really, <laughs> I really I'm very excited again for that feeling. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's funny. I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to play Jedi Fallen Order again. Yeah, I mean, we're coming up on a year since it came out. I think that might be a holiday replay game for me. It's perfect, right? You should be able to knock it out in like a good weekend or so around holiday time, right? Yeah, the question is, like, do I just, I guess I up it to Grandmaster for the next run through. (sighs) Yeah, I would caution against this since you haven't played it in almost a year. Mm. Definitely, definitely harder than normal. What is the one below that? What's that? What's the one below Grandmaster? Jedi Master. Jedi Master. That was a that was fun. I found that entertaining. I beat I I started on not like whatever the lowest was, like I started on whatever like normal was. I forget if mm-hmm. that was Apprentice or whatever it was. Or sure. Je- Jedi. And then there was Maybe. Jedi Master and then there was Grandmaster. So I did it three times. And the first one was really tough at me in the beginning, just learning it. Then the second one took me like 90 seconds to get caught up and then like crushed it. Grandmaster was really hard. Yeah, I can imagine. Really, really hard. I did it. I completed it without ever changing the difficulty. Some of the things I was able to do, some of them I wasn't like, like the community, like the first try or whatever, just on like the principles of knowing the game. The, the biggest difference, because like from Jedi to Jedi Master, honestly didn't feel like that big of a jump. From Jedi Master to Grandmaster, they tightened the window on timing the blocks to so small that it requires so much repetition to be able to get it down. Mm, interesting. Like, yeah. Like you'll you'll be able to block, but you won't be able to reflect blasters. You'll like mm-hmm. you won't be able to stun enemies. You know what I mean? Like you'll just like bl- like block them. And, and it's such a huge like you don't realize how much you rely on it. Like, especially when you're like facing one of the other like bosses with like a lightsaber battle. Sure. It's so it, it, those battles would be so long if you couldn't get the timing. Yeah. I remember Dathomir being a little nutty on night. 
where you're like when there's like a bunch of like spiders and flying <sighs> things. Death Mirror was and, infuriating on Jedi on Grandmaster. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to a sequel to this game, though. Definitely I mean, we're definitely going to get one places. eventually. Yeah, and it's going to be great. We get it. I love that game. So much fun. Really enjoyed it. Really, really gave me that Star Wars feel that I didn't know that I was going to be getting that quickly, which was nice. Yes. So. Which, by the way, I don't know. Well, you still didn't try out Squadrons yet, right? Not yet, no. I uh, Not that it matters. I was just waiting for the for the new consoles to to pick it up uh mostly because i get the there's gonna probably be a couple hours of it with ea play um come november 10th so i figured i'll try it then and if i like it i'll purchase it mm. i oh. what i will say is as far as like a star wars experience like you were saying and i'm sure i'll get into it more on game bites with you and brian i assume that that episode was gonna be sooner but i guess it won't be um it's such a little box to check, but I still like just appreciated it for what it's what it was. There's so many references they find a way to like they don't feel shoehorned, like they feel real. Like there's a real reason for them to come up. Mm. At least some of them were that connects you to the greater Star Wars world. Like That's cool. I'll just throw it out there, like, because it's it has nothing to do with the actual story. Yeah, I'm not really I'm not super interested in whatever the story I like, I'm I'll be engaged while it's on, but I'm not like, oh my god, I need to Keep this under wraps. Until I, I, I liked the story, but the way it ended, it's so pointless. Mm. Like just to like the greater Star Wars canon. Like it just doesn't matter. It's like one of those things that like it's like hearing about like one of those like World War Two battles that's like just lost to history. Where it's like, oh, like this was important, but like it wasn't that important. It was like the fiftieth most important battle. Like mm-hmm. important, like within context, but in, like in the end there were so many more bigger things. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just didn't change the story in any way. Yeah. But so very early on in the, in the game, you, there's someone who switches sides. I won't say from which side and to which side and who it was, but Mm -hmm. so there's a reference to that later on and they start name dropping other traders and Ivan Versio is one of them. um, That's cool. Who was in Star Wars Battlefront two, right? You know, joined the, the rebellion from the the empire after was operation cinder or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, someone else mentions that they were acquainted with Admiral grand Admiral Thrawn. Like, you know, there's like stuff like that. That's Uh, cool. The, I guess this one is more of a spoiler slightly, but I I just liked it. I thought it was cool. Um, someone name drops general Harrison Dula and it's like, Oh, hey, she was in rebels. That's cool. Yeah. And then she's actually in the game. Oh, got nice. Vanessa Marshall to voice her and everything. That's pretty cool. And she actually, by the end of the game, becomes like a quite important character in the. Like, not. I, like, like I just assumed she was going to be like a. Oh, they had her go in the store. Yeah, like a cameo. Record for yeah. hours in the cameo. And, nope, she becomes like a full blown side character by the end. Like, that's pretty cool. I dig that. So, like, stuff like that, it's like, okay, like this kind of matters. Or at the very least, it feels real to the, mm-hmm. the universe like it's like this is happening right yeah there's another character who who this is a super obscure cut um one of the major first order characters in star wars resistance his name was major von reg i believe he was like a special like like tie fighter like pilot who like was a character on the show and there's a character on Titan Squadron, the squadron of the Imperial side, 
whose last name is also Von Bragg, and it's pretty damn obvious that she's his mother. Like, it's just like a, such a random yeah. like, tie-in. It's like, but you know, it does feel like it's part of the whole thing. You know, that's cool. I dig that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it for sure. Um, sweet. Do you have any other news and nuggets? Uh, let's see. Uh, we did Quibi. We did Wilson. We did Diane Kruger. Mando Watch. We did. Oh, sorry. I have a what we're watching that I forgot about. When oh, cool. Because that, that's what I was going to close with. So okay, good. I totally forgot to mention it to you. So I don't know if you recall. I mentioned it was almost Diane Kruger esque. I suppose earlier this mm. summer, I just randomly out of nowhere thought, "Whatever happened to corporate on Comedy Central?" And so I went and looked it up and found out that it was going to be airing in like a week and a half, the new season. And I was like, oh, wow, what are the odds of that? Didn't that happen recently for another show that you watch or like maybe earlier this year? No, that was the show. That's what I'm talking about. It was during the summer. I mentioned it to you. Oh, like, I thought you were saying this happened just now. Oh, my God. Sorry. No, I must have blocked that for a second. Yeah, no. So what, <laughs> what happened was I never actually got around to watching the show. I oh, OK. I got you. Time for it. And I also found out that that new season was also the final season. It was a uh, previous season. It was only six episodes. Mm. Watched all six episodes last night, and man, that show did not get the attention. It yeah, was that good, a delightful show. Kind of, a I might rough, have to check that out. Yeah, no, yeah, I think you would really, really like it. Yeah, um, super easy to watch. It's fucking, I think, twenty six episodes. They're half hour episodes, so not even half hour episodes. Okay. Um, the first season was uneven. It was a little bit rough, just like finding their voice. Like it was, it was fun. It was entertaining. It was good, but it, like. The jump in quality from the first season to the second season where they fully actualized into what they wanted to be. Like they totally found the perfect match of like their tone and their voice. Mm -hmm. Second season was so incredible. And they just the jump from the second season to the third season was was smaller, but like it was still even more like improvement over it. But like it's like still within that same, same realm. It was just it was it's a really fun, funny show. Super nice. dark at times. It's like black comedy. Um, it's heavy satire. Um, and when I say heavy, I mean sometimes it's quite heavy-handed. Although they handle other things a little bit more deft and subtly. Um, they even got some cool like cameos in this season, like of just like f- like fairly famous um, like actors who have joined up. Like that they didn't really have in the first two seasons. Um, Including Bob Odenkirk popped up for like a whole episode of this one. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. Oh, that's fine. Um, especially because it was like voiceover. And I was like, wait, I know that voice. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, um, very iconic. Yeah. What's his name is so great in the show. He plays Christian DeVille, the CEO of the company they work for. It's Lance Reddick. Um, you would probably know him from the John Wick movies. He played concierge. Oh, the hotel. Yeah, uh, what he's most famous for is he's one of the main characters in The Wire, and he's and he's yep. great in The Wire. But I, yep. you never got around to it, did you? I started it. I, it was one of those ones where I had to watch a few episodes over again. Oh, okay. But so uh, I, I know we. I'll about, go back to. It. I was really enjoying it. I'll. I go know back we to talked it about sure. it in the past, and I, I didn't think you were super well versed with this. I didn't think you'd watch it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so he was the, the lieutenant in that, and he was he was great in The Wire. In this, they let him be super evil but also have a sense of humor at times nice. too he's he's great in this i mean it's a campy performance but it's it's great um, awesome i i really enjoyed that show i'm, I'm ashamed I'm, I'm i'm sad to see it go but i really enjoyed my time with it last night over the last several years i'll i'll have to check it out it, it sounds it sounds like i would enjoy it i uh i'll say as for myself i um 
I am like three or four, three, four episodes, three episodes, four episodes into the eighth season of Dexter. Oh, you're into the eighth season. Yeah. Sorry. Last time we talked, I was in the fourth season. (laughs) Well, no, when we talked at your house, you were in the sixth season. Oh, okay. Um, And based on what you texted me, was it last night or the night before? I assumed you were in the seventh season based on the text, which Mm. would have made sense because you were like, like a third or so of the way into the sixth season when we spoke a couple weeks ago. And yeah. I was like, oh, he's probably like, I don't know, halfway through the seventh season. No, no. Yeah. Between the final episode of the seventh season and the first episode of the eighth season, they make it very clear that six months have passed or in Harrison time. Three years. Three years, <laughs> <laughs> which is ridiculous. And I will say I was I was this whole time I've been holding out. I was like, I know like people are very I know people watch Dexter over the long period of time that it aired. They were they had a longer time with it than I had with it. Maybe they were a little bit more critical, was my thinking going in. I was like, because so far I've I was pretty satisfied with the show. I thought the seventh season was actually really solid. Uh, the and then I was like, fun. It's, and then I, I wouldn't say like it's the, good per se, but it's fun. I don't know. I thought I, it did some interesting things, and I, I only think that I have a feeling that the only reason why in memory the seventh season is not so good is that it doesn't. So far, I can't, I don't see that it's going to pay off well. Uh, they did a lot in the seventh season. They were like. It was almost like, you know, when you're coming to an end and you're like, okay, let's do all the crazy shit that we want to do. Like, let's, and let's start exploring that. Like, let's like, a little bit at a time. And then like, oh no, we have to do an entire other season after this. Shit. That's what it felt like. <laughs> because when, within the first few episodes of the eighth season, I was like, okay, this is cool. Cool. We got Loomis from uh, Halloween now. Like we have this psych, this uh, psychiatric character. That is- <laughs> oh, was she? I had no idea. That, that's- no, no. No, it's not. It's not a character from Halloween. It's the it's the doctor character. No, no, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, uh, Charlotte Rampling, who yeah. has, like become famous in the time since because she won an Oscar a couple years. Uh, but I was just like, so it started off. I was like, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for this final season, or which will not be the final season anymore. But anyway, I'm I'm excited for to see like how this plays out. And it starts. I was like, okay, okay, bumpy start, bumpy start. And then <laughs> there were two episodes in. I was like. Yeah, a little bit all over the place. A little bit all over the place. And then we're like, oh, so are we just not going to just forget that he has a son for now? Oh, okay, there he is. <laughs> like, like there's just, it was it was bumpy, for um, sure. So I am less harsh a critic of the run of the show than okay. people are. I do believe there is a drop-off in quality after the fourth season, but I believe it's a more graceful drop than other people claim it to be. Hmm. Um, I still really enjoy the fifth, sixth, and seventh seasons. Yeah. Um, they're not as good as the first four, but I still like them. I still enjoy them. Whatever they, season was with Miguel, third season? Third season. I don't like that season. See, that's one of my favorite seasons. Yeah, I don't like that one. That one can... I just like no. that Dexter had a friend, okay? Yeah, eh, Tess. Didn't like it. It was just... It, also, I, I, just, I like nah. Jimmy Smith. I thought he did a good job, too. Sure. Oh, no. That's like, there's, I don't mean to discredit any of the performances. I just didn't care for the story of that season. I mean, that's fair. They're not, they're uh, all work the everyone. the I, other I ones, like though. I like making his first friend. <laughs> Dexter's got a friend. <laughs> I do, I, I do like the, what I liked is as, so far as the story has gone on, the graying of the line of like the cut and dry, like, We've been like, like, he's a serial killer. Like, he is this person. He doesn't have emotion, so he has to fake it to, like, what I think you had actually brought this up early on to him actually developing emotions, which is really interesting. 
now they're kind of beating you over the head with it with this doctor that's like, oh, it's fascinating that you have emotion. It's like, no, dude, we've been here for seven seasons. We get it. It is interesting, <laughs> but you don't have to tell us that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's, that's what makes this the whole show on the macro level interesting, right? Is you're given a character who you're told is a true blue intelligent psychopath who does not and cannot have feelings, and oops, he develops feelings. Yeah. Now, to the level of a normal functioning human being, maybe not, but he like transcends the primal nature of the nearly animalistic subhuman that they're claiming that an intelligence mm-hmm. like death would be. And that whole central struggle is a fascinating arc for the whole show to explore. It becomes very heavy handed with her and that season showing up. I do think there's some interesting stuff in mm-hmm. her inclusion in the show. Um, the whole idea that she kind of quote unquote made him. Yeah. Was, it's a little creepy. She's also a psychopath. Like we were clear about this, right? No. Oh, okay. That's how it feels to me. She's, <laughs> she's definitely weird. Um, but no, mm, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> but see, the thing is though, like I will relent to the critics on that season. It's not very good. Not to say that there aren't moments, but overall it's not very good. Like, the, yeah, there's a, it's I think one of the most frustrating parts of it is where we where we have Deb right now and it's just not like I don't want to watch it like this for 10 episodes not I just uh, not like this not like this well how many episodes in are you like three or four I mean she does break out of the druggy funk all right that's good that's good to know that's good to know um I it's it's a good show. Well, I really well, I will I do from the, like the, it. The bank of episodes that you just been through, I I always forget which epi- which season it's in. If it's in the sixth or seventh season, Nebraska. That was the seventh season. I sixth that makes season? sense to me based on the timeline because Deb's on his ass the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's a great episode. It's the return of Brian. He replaces Harry. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. I know what you're talking about. That, yeah, that was a good. That was a good. Episode. Um, I will say one of the things that really, that was a little bit, uh, I think it was a, a, a wink to the camera, which I think was also fantastic. There are I, occasional winks at the camera. One of the things that I've had the hardest time with, and every time it makes me go, oh brother, is when he goes, my dark passenger. It drives <laughs> me crazy. It's the worst thing they could have written as the name of this thing. And in the seventh season, he has a girlfriend and she goes, that's stupid. <laughs> And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, to a certain extent. It's what it is more than stupid is it's cheesy. But I love that stupid little flash he keeps getting of the superhero, the Dark Passenger, and like him, like in like ridiculous superhero costume, like jumping in and fighting crime. Like I kind of love that. It's like, like he is trying to aspire to something better. Yeah, but it's like. My better is I'm going to go kill murderers. <laughs> right. Oh my God. It's so ridiculous. But she was so, she was great. Also, that was another thing. There's well, a, so, there's so a now silly... you finally begin to understand my love of Yvonne Strahovski. She's really good. Fantastic. Fantastic. I and will say character. another thing that really, really bothered me. The end of the seventh season, a flower is left at his door. And we have not made mention of it in four episodes. <laughs> I know how you generally feel about spoilers, but 
I'm assuming it will come back on account of I saw her name and the number of seasons she was in. <laughs> Uh, so, so then I can I can say she'll you haven't seen the last she'll be back all right cool no that, that that's good because I was just like but honestly though like we I didn't mention I won't it. say when where how or why she returns but she does but that should be on his mind but it's been six months yeah but <laughs> oh, damn it it's been uh, it's been six to thirty six months six to thirty six yeah exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, you want to get into some news and nuggets? Uh, no, no, that's we're done with that. You want to do fun and games? <laughs> I say, man, I'm reaching down to the bottom of the barrel here. If you need to get into news and nuggets now, <laughs> yeah, it's fun right. and games. Fun and games. Here we go. All right, for this week's fun and games, I have which dodgeball character are you? Fitting. Oh, wow, that's straightforward. Uh, I don't. I, I think I clicked through this really quickly, and I'm hoping. I, I'm fairly certain. I think there's a a thing at the end that says like. It gives you something, which will be nice because this is a weird website. On a scale of zero to five, how good are you at dodgeball? Four. All right. That's... There was something about the confidence of that answer that impressed me. <laughs> well, because so, I watched the movie with Gianna last week. And cause, I mean, she's seen it in like pieces across the years. But like, I don't think she's ever actually sat down and watched the whole thing from start to finish. And so like, we were talking about it at dinner. And we were just talking about generally like playing dodgeball. And I was mentioning how I remember the switch from being a young kid and playing with kickballs the way that you always did. Mm. And then one day you show up to school and they were foam. Mm. And it was because they were tired of hearing that sound of it hitting someone's face. Yeah. That yeah. very particular sound that a kickball makes when it strikes a hard object. Yeah. And so I, I was generally a pretty damn good dodgeball player. We played a lot. From my like, I, I, ages of like fourth grade to like senior year of high school. So loved it. I love dodgeball. So much fun. All right. What type of hairstyle do you have? Very short, very long, and curly, long, feathered. Well, I really wish that it was feathered and lethal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess now I qualify as either long or feathered. So All right, I'm going to go with feathered. Oh, nice. I like it. All right. Are you organized? Yes. No. It's pretty binary. Uh, I oh man, it depends on what phase of my life we're talking about. <laughs> Let's go. With um, this. All right, cool. Quick question before I select this, and it goes on to the next question. Organized is spelled with a Z, correct? Yep. Okay. Is this a Canadian website? I have no idea. Which not, dodgeball is character? Is it oh, ca? <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, what is your preferred drink? Root beer, urine, or seawater? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow, I know where two of those answers go. <laughs> uh, let's go with root beer, which is the only one I don't know where it goes. Okay. <laughs> Best comeback. Not as much as your hair does. Go ahead, make Joe's, Mr. Jokey Jokemaker. That's probably supposed to say jokes. I believe so. I got better runs in my shorts. <laughs> Yarg! I'm not a lesbian, I'm bisexual. Why do you stare at me? Uh, I'm going to say go make your jokes (laughs) you're going to 100% get Dwight because we have feathered hair and that one yeah Yeah. if you had a hundred thousand dollars doll hairs I'm actually not sure what that symbol is what would you do with it gamble it on your winnings what (laughs) 
<laughs> keep it keep it and do something useful with it. Use it to buy a spade to find buried treasure. Get a facelift. Buy other people's urine. Expand your business. <laughs> keep it and do something useful with it. <laughs> All right. You did you got White Goodman. You are completely in love with yourself. You are dreadful at comebacks. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. With that, let us get into our flick of the week. Dodgeball, released in 2004, rated PG-13 at an hour and 32-minute runtime. A group of misfits enter a Las Vegas dodgeball tournament in order to save their ch- local gym from the onslaught of a corporate health fitness chain. Yeah. It's pretty pretty spot on. Um, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna dive right in with mine because it it, it goes on top my, my tweet length review, which uh, dovetails nicely with that synopsis. Even with quite a few jokes that don't age particularly well, Dodgeball is still better thought out, better performed, and better executed than a movie revolving around the school gym sport has any right to be. <laughs> eight out of ten. I'm going eight out of ten on this one. Yeah, This is one of my favorite comedies, and uh, we'll get into a little bit. I was definitely taken aback a bit because it's been a long time since I've seen it. There were lines where I went, ooh, I, no, I'm just not okay with this. Yeah, I <laughs> but, guess we can do that in preface to me giving mine um, for sure. I mean, like I knew that that was coming. I've forgotten just how much of it, though. Yeah, like, it's a I lot remember of it. some of the specific lines, obviously. They mostly but, revolve around Rip Torn. <laughs> well, of course, but it's like the point of that character, right? Sure. Which, like, they play him for the laugh too often, mm-hmm. but there is at least a nod to the fact that we're supposed to be laughing at him. Yeah. Not with him. It's yeah. just not as clear as it should be or like i would say in like an equivalent comedy would be today if like if that movie was made today sure because unfortunately like some of the lines he gets off like are quote-unquote good in the context of like he is the dominant force you know what i mean like Mm. (laughs) like it's played for the laugh and it's like okay we are supposed to laugh with this and it's like but i don't love the subject matter (laughs) yeah 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 for sure for Um, sure all right hit, hit me with yours one of the defining comedies of its era, eminently quotable, uh, mm. nonstop laughs, and sneakily well-written. Nine out of ten. Oh, nice. All right, sweet. So we're up there then together. I appreciate that. I'm glad that you're on the same page with me, at least score-wise. Uh, maybe you went a little higher, but I'm all for it. I, uh, Yeah, sneakily well-written is the name of the game here. Yes. What's going on? There's this... This, this movie is the perfect cocktail. We have... First off, the writing is hysterical. The, it's the the jokes, the, like the scenarios that are created, are already really funny. And then you added this cast of characters that have enough of their own flair and their own style that drive it home. Yes. Um, also, I think it's important to note, like most great comedies thrive on like set pieces, right? Mm-hmm. And this is no exception. There's big moments that are funny. <laughs> Right. But why part of the reason I said that it was sneakily well written is they find great ways to thread the connections between those set pieces in a way that feels meaningful as opposed to just like vignettes collected together in one movie. 
Right, which is funny because that's what a lot of the like that style, like this style comedy where it's over the top. I feel like the genre is over the top comedy. <laughs> like that's what we're watching. It definitely suffers from this scene that is funny like this and this scene that is funny like that. But yeah, it's it's hard to have it tied together so nicely. Um, this did it. They make use of foreshadowing and callbacks and all that sort of stuff in a way that like comedies don't always do well, right? Like there's a lot of movies that have comedic elements that will use the comedy in those moments, right? But have to have out and out comedies like this that have such a good handle on callbacks and foreshadowing and irony and all that sort of stuff, right? Like actual irony to the point where that becomes an overt joke. Irony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really true. It's definitely, um, this is one of those movies that, it, and it, and it's, I do feel like with their subject matter, it's, it's, it's lightning in a bottle type stuff, right? Like the, don't make a sequel to this. I know no. that I know that the, it's been, I've heard like rumblings about it in the past. Don't just, just don't like we should we should learn from Anchorman like we should like like things like don't it doesn't need one well, don't don't do a sequel sh- to this don't do a sequel to Wedding Crashers no use a- take the cast do a do an ensemble like that somewhere else sure not a sequel it's such a shame if ever one of these movies could have been ripe for a sequel it was Anchorman and it was such. A trash heap. Like, like there yeah. could be more stories to write in that world, right? With those mm-hmm. characters, these these do not have more stories to write. <laughs> not good ones, at least. No, um, no. Wedding Crashers. No, although the Will Ferrell quote about how if we're gonna do it, do it as a straight up court like legal proceeding of like going through the divorces and stuff like that. <laughs> Great yeah. idea. Wouldn't be a comedy though. It it would be a sequel, not a comedy. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. No, it's it, it, this movie is special. Now, this was like, um, one of my earlier, the, the earlier times that I remember Vince Vaughn. Right. So, like, I don't. When did Wedding Crashers come out? I mean, it was around the same time as this. I, I forget which exact year. This is what two thousand four. Wedding Crashers. Yeah. Five. Okay. So maybe the maybe the first time then that I really remember him. Um, and cause I had watched like his, some of his older stuff after the fact. It's funny. Cause the first thing both chronologically, as far as the movies coming out and also in my life, the first thing I ever saw him in was the lost world dressing park. Mm. When I saw this movie, I had no memory of him being in that. True. That is a good point. So I just, and at the time, cause it was old school 2003 or was that a little later? Was that also four or five? Oh, that's a good point. Old school was is probably the first of that of. But at the see. time, I did not see that. I two thousand three. Yeah, I thought so. I thought I had not seen that. I was still on the fringe of like being able to because I was like twelve. Yeah, when that came out. I did not see old school when it came out. I definitely saw this and Wedding Crashers before I saw old school. So, oh, so I'm in the same boat as you. I didn't see old school first for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that. That's funny. He so first time seeing I I fell in love with that with his portrayal of the character the first time I saw this movie. He has he's got such an air about him. There are things that because when Vince Vaughn is doing this comedy guy in the movie, it's just this guy. Like it's not it. It doesn't really matter what else they've written for him. He's the same, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It sounds like a bad thing. 
But it is so funny. The way that he delivers, the things that he does, his mannerisms that incorporate into the character, like a wink to a person or the way that he delivers a line. It's his cadence that really cracks me up. Yes, he has a, a mastery of his own cadence. And and he doesn't... You could even argue in Wedding Crashers that he takes it too far, that he needs to be reined in a bit at times. Mm. In this, I think they do a better job. And maybe it's because it's mostly consigned to one-liners. Yeah. Because there's like there's a, a million little one-liners like the first couple times like he meets up with... with uh, Oh my god, I can't believe I totally forgot Christine Taylor's name in this movie. Um, Kate, when, when he like first is meeting Kate and he's like flirting with her as she's telling him like everything yeah. like, crashing around him, like mm-hmm. it's one line at a time. So his mastery of his own cadence in all of those moments and the way that he kind of talks over and under the conversation, depending yeah. on what's going on is like really like he nails all of the delivery on all of mm-hmm. those lines. And, and most of them are pretty well written too. Those don't feel like improv really. Yeah. Cause it's also like, there's the, He's very smooth, right? But also very obviously doing something, mm-hmm. which is like, I guess, turns into a portrayal of confidence, which is interesting. <laughs> but he goes, you know, the, the thing that cracks me up, uh, when he, he says Mrs. Veach, and you see the look in his eye. He's waiting to see how she responds to it. But he like, it's it's not obvious that he's waiting. And then she says Ms. And he's like, but then he turns into goofball. If I, I I would be the same. If there was a Miz for Mister, I'd be Mister. I'd be Miz. I'd be Miz. Yeah, <laughs> like that's so stupid, but it cracks me up. But like he does that. He he constantly like mid speech, he'll turn to like a character. Like the, the 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 line that he said specifically would really be like would gravitate towards that person, and he gives him a wink. And like there's just something. There's something about his delivery. It really is charming. And well, one, of the- one of the lines like early on, like it's like right around those same like block of scenes that, that cracks me up is when he's first talking to Justin Long and you know, he rescues him from the machine and all that. And he's like, you know, hey, wow. Like, let's, yeah, like, he's like, you know, oh, no, sorry. No, it wasn't when he was talking to him. It was when he it was right before that when he was talking to um, the tall guy. I, I don't remember his name. Um, oh, yeah. The, the tall gangly guy. And he's saying, mm. you know. He's talking about the, the, the internet dating or the mail order dating or whatever. Owen. Owen, that's right. And he's like, you know, he goes, listen, man, you know, keep your chin up. There's someone out there for everyone. In some cases, two people for everyone. You know, for someone. Yeah. I, <laughs> I call that one the trifecta. Yeah, <laughs> like that whole delivery yeah. is perfect. And like, it's it's just enough him, but not over the top. Yeah. But and, yeah, and that's and that's the that's the key, right? Those like I call that the trifecta, something like that. Like those lines, those one liners that are, those one liners that are peppered in are the ones that I'm like, are they written? I'd be very curious to know. Uh, my one of my favorite ones there. OK, there are two lines in this movie that for some reason, like I you can get a belly laugh out of me. They're not even that funny. One is when he goes, yeah, I have a whole closet full of them. I call them keepers. Cracks me up when he's talking about the the bills and the finance papers. <laughs> that when when the when uh, Beach is asking about like if he has any of his any of the paperwork. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is when they have the car wash, and he goes, uh, "Hey, we lost fair and square to them. I for one, I'm going to go over and uh, congratulate them." Hi, purple. I'm going to congratulate each of them individually, personally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's it's understated. I so love understatement. For me, it's it's the one when um when White begins his courtship and he and Peter shows up and he goes, This doesn't concern you. He goes, Well, not nearly as much as your outfit. 
or your yeah. outlook on life. Like, yeah. Or attitude. Like, yeah. Not, not nearly as much as your hair does. <laughs> your general attitude towards everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That is, yeah, it's, because that's the other thing too, right? He's a fast talker and he uses that. He has like that salesman, like speech thing going on, but he uses it to do to hurl insults but also deflect and it just it's so great like he he is like there's a he is a certain type of comedy like whereas if somebody else were to do something similar i'd be like that's a vince vaughn like that's a vince vaughn thing to do yeah that's what it feels like there's a um i don't know how well you remember the movie accepted yeah, I, I mean, I've seen it a couple of times, but I, I don't remember all of it super well. There is a scene where Justin Long explains Hoyt Ambrose, and like he like kind of breaks him down in a conversation with him, and it's really funny, but it's so quick, and it's so over that guy's head that he doesn't know that he's being made fun of, and it was like, oh man, he just Vince Vaughn him. Like, the way that he did it. Like, that's, that's the type of thing that I'm... Yeah, I kind of even wonder, did he like try and steal Vince Vaughn's shtick like after having worked with him because it feels like that particular tick of Justin Long became more and more noticeable the longer in his career he went and Hmm. like obviously his career doesn't start with this movie but like this is like the I feel like this is the first thing that he was like famous in yeah I I don't know if I uh I don't think that that's the case because to me it's like I I also recognize when he's doing it when like the Justin Long version of it is at play and it's not as smooth. It's not like suave. Like which Vince is, Vaughn's is version kind of is suave. Like parrot something though. Sure, but it also seems more like he he seems like immature is not the word that I want to use. But he seems like I, I don't mean it in a neg- negative. No, way. but like, he's always played young, or at least like his he, most famous roles, he played young. Yeah, like he's twenty six in this movie. Yeah, but he's playing like a seventeen year old. <laughs> yeah, and and nails it. <laughs> and I think that's like I don't know. He he has that ability. It's it's more of like a. It's kind of a, a of a like he's like this kind of like scrappy kid that's like he's I don't know. He's a smart Alec. Smart Alec. Smart Alec is probably like the word. Yeah, I, the I only reason I say is because he, he doesn't really do the Vince Vaughn thing in this. He doesn't do it in Galaxy Quest, which is a few years before this. But he is also decidedly playing a very, like, timid, like, geeky, like, introverted, uh, scared-of-everything character. Sure, I'm just saying that he doesn't do it in this in Galaxy Quest, and, she, and he does do it in... Um, Accepted and live for or die hard, which come after this. Sure, but those I feel like those characters are whether or not this is just um, a reflection of the performance. Those characters seem to be written that way, whereas these and, and char- waiting these previous characters are written another way, though. Sure, I'm just saying that there's a an inflection point in that moment in time of him not doing it before it and doing it in three movies I just mentioned after it. Maybe I don't know. I think it could also yeah. I don't know. It seems more like writing, though, because it seems that those characters align. Maybe it's that he plays off the people that he's with really well. Yeah. Because uh, if you think about Galaxy Quest, he is playing with the group of hyper nerdy kids, right? Sure. I'm just saying it's, 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 it's a tick that he doesn't have in those two movies. Sure. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's true. But he is also playing 
he's playing a person more on the side of asshole in those other movies. Yeah, I I mean I get it. I just no. I just find it to be a curiosity. I'm not saying mm. like he out and out stole it. It just it's curious to me that, and it's not like that's like his go to move. I, like he uses it more judiciously. I've heard him in a number of interviews, and I've listened to his podcast a bunch of times. I do know that he he very much seems to enjoy um, uh, impersonations. So it's possible that he picks up those traits from working with those people. Yeah, I'm not saying it like anything nefarious. I'm just saying yeah, it, no, it's, no, it's, it is uh, noticeable that mm-hmm. post this movie, that's a thing that shows up in some of the yeah, yeah, but uh, he, uh, I, you're not a, you are not a, I can't remember. You're not a huge fan of his, right? No, not generally. Outside, I, of, outside of his portrayal of Randy St. Randy. Which is just tremendous. <laughs> uh, if ever there were a performance, that is it. <laughs> just in general, a performance, it's Randy St. Randy. <laughs> uh, no, the, he, I love, I think he's great. He, he really cracks me up. Um, He's because he, he's all over the place. He's like hyperactive. It's it's funny to me, but I could see it's at the same time the things that I like about him and what I love in his performances. I can also see why people would find him irritating. But yeah, it, I, he's just a bit much for me sometimes. Yeah, totally fair, totally fair. In this movie though, he cracks me up. The first scene that we see him and he's tangled up in that machine. I'm like, I don't even know how you did that. Also, how is your leg up there? Like, and it's <laughs> and it, yeah. it cracks me up. He, he nails it. But uh, they, I mean, there I, is something like convincing in like the innocence of that character. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. I, uh, what is the um, I can't remember the line, but he's the girl that's on the cheerleading team that he's in love with. He runs into her in the geez Louise. First off, he says that a number of times <laughs> in this movie, which is perfect. Jeez uh, Louise. Uh, he says that a number of times, but he. She says something to him, like, or, like, good luck. And he's like, good luck to you on your two in the roller coaster. So, like, so, like he, you know, he's tripping over his words. And I love that stuff, too. I think those are really funny lines. Because I feel like that's such a thing that will happen to you in real life. That I feel like if you had to do it in a movie for a line like that, where there was multiple takes, most likely... And it's written. It's hard to capture that essence of how awkward and real that can be. And I feel like he nails that. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty good. Um, speaking of characters, there is not a duplicate in the group. Everybody holds their own. And they all have their own ridiculous stick. Yes. Um, the one character that I, I... He's just a mystery to me is Dwight. We definitely really... Never know who he is as like a person, like who he's outside of, like he's an employee of the gym, right? Like oh, right. <laughs> so, like he's kind of Peter's friend, like. It, yep. So there's that, right? It's it's it would you would assume they have some past relationship, right? Yeah, I mean, it seems like they've known each other like as like yeah more than coworkers, though not like best friends per se, like for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, like, when we're introduced to him, he's wearing, you know, sweatband. We're like, this is basically, we're just showing you that he works at the gym. He wears yes. the sweatband. He's, like... He's got the shirt. He's, he's, he's in the office. The towels or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But then, like, by the time we get into Vegas, and he's got that, like, really fancy, like, he's got, like, a style, right? Like, this hat. Because we haven't only, we've only seen him in work clothes. And I almost feel like that halfway through the movie, he's like, hey, 
I haven't had to wear, wear regular clothes yet. Let's let's do something fun with me. Yeah, because <laughs> like to that point, yeah, it's all work clothes or like the uniform for playing dodge. He could fall off the roller coaster and break every bone in his body. Happens. My cousin Ray Ray, boop, dead. <laughs> <laughs> great line. Another great line. Cracks me up. He was also, um, this guy was in uh, Silicon Valley. If you ever got to see that show, uh, he plays a funny character in there as well. Uh, I didn't realize he was in anything else. Oh. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you can't forget uh, Gordon. Oh, my God. Steven Root's Steve so great. Now, sp- uh, specifically revolving around him, here's where the world building in the movie starts. In a movie that requires no world building, they did it. Except for the specifics of the world of Obscure Sports Quarterly. But right, like <laughs> obscure sports quarterly, the Ocho, where he watches it. Did you catch the game last night? Can I say yes to you? <laughs> Amateur curling championships on ESPN eight. <laughs> it's so he's so ridiculous. Also, one of his greatest. Yeah, well, you know, Gordon, where do you find out about these things? Oh, SQ, obscure sports quarterly. <laughs> yeah, and he's got the magazine in his hand. I think one of the greatest things about him is the. Uh, so, like I said, each character has, like, their thing, right? There's something very specific. He does the trail-off speech to end a scene like no other. Well, I think his best trail-off is, how is the whole male order wife thing going? Really great. <laughs> <laughs> As he's waving at her with this awkward, like, grimace that he's... And she just does the L. Yeah, yeah. Alpha, and- buddy. That, yeah, and that's what, that's where we also get the... That's like the second or third glimpse that we get of... Uh, his name's Peter, right? Yeah. Um, uh, he's like very protective of people. May, like, just be... Just feel happy. Be fine. Whatever you... That's cool. Yeah, because yeah, Dwight's like, I don't it, think... He's like, no, I think it's just really... It's a special... Elle doesn't say for... It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That just reminded me. I know you don't get commercials anymore. Hell for love. There's there's this commercial. What the f- is it for? Progressive or something? I forget what it what it's for. I think it's an insurance one, and it's people are turning into their parents. Okay. And there's a guy <laughs> who's coaching these people on how to not be just like their parents. And you just don't think. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It reminded me. So like, it starts off with like they're like walking through like it looks like they're walking through some sort of like either like Home Depot or Costco or something like that, right? And they're walking in a group and there's this woman and she's talking really loud into her cell phone on speakerphone. And she, and he's like, so everyone, you see how she's using the speakerphone in public? Let's not do that. You know, <laughs> and it's, you know, and they, they, they go to the, there's this guy like, who's like looking at something and this guy's coming over to like give him advice. And I think he goes, he comes over and he goes, did he ask for your advice? And he goes, no, he goes, okay, let's get, you know, let's get it. <laughs> and so then there's one, He's standing between these two guys and he's like flipping through one of those like home improvement magazines or whatever, like that's in the thing. And the two of them are looking at this guy who walks past them with like dyed blue hair. Right. And he goes, uh-huh. he's looking down at the magazine and the other two are like grimacing and like they're holding, like they're like, like look super tense and they're like, their eyes are darting around and he's just looking down thing. He goes, we all see it. We all see it. You know, <laughs> we all see it. We all see it. We all see it. <laughs> And then they're both like, blue, blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And then, like, he reminds me of that. Like, yes. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It's totally it's fine. fine. <laughs> it's, I, uh, we all see it. We all see it. <laughs> and another another character who is my maybe low-key favorite character in the movie is Owen. 
we talked about them briefly before. Uh, and if, if, yeah, if only, if only for the one, the two specific scenes that really, again, I, I brought up a couple of other ones that just crack me up that are not even that funny. It's just for whatever reason in the moment, they make me giddy. This is, these are, here's another two scenes. One, when they are in the office trying to figure out how much they have to make, how much they need, right? $50,000. Why don't we pay it in Canadian dollars? And it, well, actually, Canadian dollars, it'd be more. It'd be $70,000. Where are we going to come up with $120,000? No, Owen, oh, you don't add them together. And Dwight, or was it Mil- or Dwight saying that Milton just, Milton, his name's not Milton. That's his yeah, office, Gordon, his character. Owen, oh, uh, no, no, what is it? Gordon. Gordon, thank you. He he just he puts his his hand on his chest and he looks at Dwight and he just shakes his head no, just don't, just like don't even don't, don't engage. And then and then at the end with the isn't it uh, what is it I don't even remember what the values are but he was just like a hundred was it fifty thousand oh yeah he took a he took a hundred thousand dollars and bet it fifty to one odds he goes anyone know fifty times a uh, hundred thousand he goes fifty thousand dollars yes. five million dollars i think the best part about that is and and here's and this is the this is the low-key part of that entire run of math jokes that really cracks me up is the canadian money joke and the math at the end of the movie are completely wrong yet when he adds the two numbers together it's right (laughs) oh yeah And whether that's intentional or not, that cracks me up too. <laughs> well, I mean, I oh. always, whenever I think of him, I always think of. Wait, we've got a pirate on our team. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's another great one. Steve oh, Moore. and then when he says Robert when Bellison. yeah when he comes back and he's not a pirate and he's like oh look at Steve the pirate the look on Dwight's face <laughs> oh my god it's like someone stabbed him in the heart perfect it's absolutely perfect. The, um, also, oh I will God. never get over it. For some reason, he is by far the funniest of all of them in the leather costumes. Oh, with the because he's got the thing in his mouth. Well, it's the because he has like the bit in his mouth, like the, the horse like bridle mm-hmm. thing in his mouth, and it's just how gangly and awkward he is. And yeah, like, like in person, he's like purposely doing like a knock knee thing where he's like looks like he's about to like a stiff breeze would blow him over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you? Did we do Grandma's Boy on here? No. Have you ever seen it? Yes. Yeah, I know. He's okay. The the he's doing the Matrix. JP. Thing that. Yeah, yeah. We gotta. We we should definitely do that. I I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Adios, turd nuggets. Uh. Oh my goodness, this movie Sit cracks on me up. My face. <laughs> yeah. What, please. <laughs> um. He's he's fantastic. The uh. So um. He's also an Avatar. That's right. That is right. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, speaking of understatements, the understated lines, right? One of my favorite ones. Another I'm one. White. I'm white. I'm white. H I T. One of my favorite ones happens to be when they come back, when they get back to the gym from the from the car. The car wash. The whole thing surrounding the car wash is tremendous. First off, when they get back to the to the gym, a couple of incredible things happen. First off, Gordon goes. Uh, how how yeah? How are we gonna make fifty thousand dollars? Gordon goes, well, actually, that costs us money, so we're actually in the hole. It's <laughs> something along those lines, which was great. Then Peter grabs the beers and starts throwing them to people. First two people catch it, and then it's just off the rails from there. Justin Long doesn't catch it. it. 
So does it smack off his face or, or no? It, it hits that, it, it hits his hand and he like does that, that out like oh, he didn't yeah. catch it. Uh, Owen is sitting on the couch. Peter throws it. It just goes right past him. He doesn't even he doesn't even flinch. He zero acknowledgement. And I think that's the best part of that is he doesn't. It goes past the front of his face. Yeah, stone cold. <laughs> It's just, just fantastic. Uh, after that, Justin Long opens it and it, it blasts everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, also, in that scene, like, there's another one of those like, kind of understated lines by like Vince Vaughn. He goes, well, listen, if an impromptu car wash doesn't make us $50,000, I don't know. Nothing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so silly. So, uh, a character that I feel like I've personally, I don't know how about you, how you feel about this. I've been intentionally not touching on Michelle. Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Actually. Yes. Speaking of Michelle, uh, he, I always, you know, I always knew that he said that, that that's what he called him. That was his name. I never noticed until this time watching through that on his shirt, it his is me apostrophe shell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or the fact that he butchers Consigliere and calls him my fitness Consigliere. Yeah. <laughs> but I believe you've already met my fitness Consigliere, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Well, hey, that's that's a decent line, but nothing beats the, I think it's Analyze This, where uh, Billy Crystal is trying to say that word and he botches it and Jelly corrects him and he slaps him across the face because don't you ever correct me in front of my friends. <laughs> I think I've only seen Analyze that. Okay. okay. And I don't remember it because I'm pretty sure I saw it like a year after it came out, which is nearly... Mm. It's so funny to me now having watched some of The Sopranos, the majority of The Sopranos, to have watched that movie in the past, really loved it, and never got the reference of the mobster seeing a therapist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, all right, White Goodman. Yes. Shall we dive in? Sorry, I'm sorry for derailing. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Uh, first off, Ben Actually, Siller. Uh, wait, if we're going to stick with Michelle for one second. Yeah. Him coming out of the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Just close that for me, please. Understatement. For all of us, baby. For all of us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Again, so good. Oh, man. Uh, I would say, like, where did this character come from if I hadn't seen Heavyweights? Have you seen Heavyweights? Yeah, I don't really remember it, though. Like, I again, that's one I saw, like, when it came out. Like, I saw it as a kid. I don't remember it. So, basically, White Goodman is Tony from Heavyweights, but with a lot of extra bag. It's basically that. It's Tony 2.0. It's how can we take the character from Heavyweights and make him even more absurd, less diabolical, more absurd. How can we take the character from Heavyweights and splice him with the Ben Stiller character from Happy Gilmore? He's yeah. the guy who runs the nursing home. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. He is... Uh, man, I have... Oh, I'm sorry. Have, your fingers hurt? Well, now your back's going to hurt. Yeah. That's full landscaping, dude. <laughs> Every time that I watch... Dodgeball, every time I see him in this role, I am even more impressed with how he pulled it off. It's, there was, there's layers. There are, see, that's the thing. And it's a character that deserves no layers. So there's, 
There's layers. The there's nuance. Layers, but it doesn't them. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Up until like, you know, every bit of it. First off, the uh, this this match made in heaven. Him and Vince Vaughn at each other's throats. They're uh, good foils for each other. It's fantastic, and um, potentially the best portion of it. The best part of it is the way like they each let each other do their thing to the next level, right? So. It's like, it's like watching, like, promos for, like, a boxing match or, like, WWE where, like, okay, you get your turn to do your ridiculous shtick. We'll take yeah. a pause. Then I'm going to take my turn to do my ridiculous shtick. Yeah. Pause. Now ball's back in your court. You know what I mean? Like, so, and, and that's, like, and I think they that's. They give each other space, but there's still chemistry. 100%. And that's I think that's that's definitely what makes them work so well. I will say that the the thing that here's like this this is the scene that all, that comes to mind that I feel like really shows what we're talking about. First off, it's like we've already established that Vince Vaughn in this movie and others, he's the king of quick insult that goes over your head and it's too late before you realize it, right? He's very good at that. Uh and he does that to to White a couple of times. He does that with the whole not as much as your hairstyle does. Or your general attitude towards everybody around you, like that whole great, right? But when they're in the bar, and he comes in, and White's doing his whole, he's repeating everything that Vince Vaughn is saying, instead of leaning into how ridiculous and absurd White Goodman is, Vince Vaughn goes the other route to let Ben Stiller shine, where he goes, he just shows genuine confusion on his face of like <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> See, I always, I always think of he goes, you know. By the way, uh, I didn't appreciate that little gift that you said. You know, the the gift of those two little strippers that you said. And he goes, he goes, it was meant to be congratulatory. He goes, they were also men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He goes, hey, whatever you know, it's just meant to be a good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they, that <laughs> they, they, when was that? That was that at the. Uh... That's the first time that he goes over to Globo. Oh, okay, that's right. When he finds out that he's like in default, isn't that convenient for you and, and the, the clock? <laughs> <laughs> Her face. She's so disgusted with him. Uh, that's another one. So like, it's it's unfortunate. I feel like uh, Kate, the character of Kate Veach, doesn't get enough time because she's really fun. Like she's the she's the proxy for the audience, right? Like for the most part, up until maybe the, the only end. The person in this who isn't absurd and stupid and or stupid, like yeah, she's the only person with half a brain, and like <laughs> it's just watching all these proceedings. Like, how is this even possible? <laughs> yeah, and like should I laugh? Should I be revolted? Should I just leave? I'm not entirely sure. Maybe I'll yeah. gag and throw up in my mouth. Uh. It, that's a great line too. That's probably like that one, maybe a, a, the early instance of that line, right? I think we should. Like, date. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. That's so good. Well, uh, I I think we should date. <laughs> how about him running down the stairs, reading the dictionary, and she's like, "Are uh, you I'll reading break the dictionary? <laughs> you caught me." <laughs> oh man, that's a that's a that's a painting of me. Grabbing life, the, the, grabbing the bull by the horns. Literally, I literally did that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, a it, it's a metaphor. <laughs> the whole shackles. Yes. <laughs> I don't shackled by whatever. Unless you're doing that. Unless you're doing that. <laughs> Not really, but maybe. <laughs> but the other thing about his character um, that is cracks what, me up is. What he going to do with that pizza? Oh my god! What he did it. Uh, also, the 
What exactly? M- Michelle's reaction was great. What exactly was he going to do to that pizza? I it warm himself. I'm what was sure. he going to accomplish with that pizza? Warmth. Do you think he needed warmth? He's in the gym. He's always sweaty. Do you need warmth? Yeah. At, all right. Here's another thing about that gym. How and, is like he going to fuck uh, that pizza? Because it's clearly he's going to fuck that pizza. How? Explain the, to me the mechanics. The donut and I understood. <laughs> Explain to me the mechanics. Yeah, I I don't know. A fucking that slice of pizza. Uh, fold it. <laughs> Is it just gonna be a cupping motion? Is that what's? Gonna... <laughs> uh, but in that in that absurd gym. Oh God, sir. Yeah, <laughs> when he's when he's on the screen and he's pointing and talking to people like and kind of semi humiliating them, semi? it's pretty great. Well, some of them because some of them he's not. Yeah, he's like, yeah, great, great set, great set, Trevor. You called that? What is he? I don't even remember what he said. Squat. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's too much. All right. Also, what like what a sociopath? Uh, yeah, great job. Add three pounds to the women's scales. <laughs> Before you go home, yeah. The uh, also the the penis pump, or the which is like so obviously inflated air, right? Like no man in the world creates a bulge like that specifically with his jaw, right? <laughs> because it's protruding out of the underwear in the way that a cup does, like right. It's. It, I, I can't even, I don't, I lack the words to describe the specifics of that. I can just simply say that no human man has ever created that exact look, no matter how big or small his, his junk is. Right. It's never looked like that. No, no, no. That's, it's ridiculous. Also, the defeat when he deflates it, fantastic. Yes, uh, that one, uh, that one worked on multiple layers. Yeah. Uh, it sure did. It sure did. I, uh, did you, by any chance, were you watching the PG-13 version or the unrated version of this movie? I don't recall. I wasn't certain until I was like somewhat into the movie and a, a couple of jokes flew by. I was like, okay, this is not the PG-13 version. <laughs> I think mine was probably the PG-13 one. I was struggling to find this, oh, okay. to watch it for a while. I think I found it ultimately on like Cinemax or Showtime or something like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, but uh, I know there's an unrated version. I know I've seen it, but probably only once, so I don't recall what's in it or not in it. I do think that's funny that concept of the un- the PG thirteen and underrated version of movies. Yeah, it's funny. Getting Sarah Marshall did that as well. That's um, one of the few that I actually remember, like the differences. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and the unrated version of the movie is. Far superior. <laughs> sure. Well, that's also that's that's the one that has the whole yoga scene, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Doing a handstand, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, is, is that Sarah Marshall? I wish I wasn't wearing this fucking shirt. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I could do an entire other episode on that movie again. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how much I love that movie. Oh, but uh, getting back to this one, so we get a uh, we meet Patches Overland, which that's another thing we talked about backstory. This whole like World War Two info high school video thing 
<laughs> of dodgeball. Let's just take a break from using that premium, high-quality, lead-based paint. <laughs> right. What is happening there? Uh, and on the topic of Patches of Holy Hand, not to jump too far ahead, but at the end, when Peter's holding the scarf it's so and the vision of him is in it, and yeah, the scarf is disgusting, the vision of Patches of Holy Hand's face and he's talking to him, and he signs off with, bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, the wave. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> that, that's great. That's ridiculous. Also, uh, I love that Hank Azaria grows up to be Rip Torn. Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, he's fantastic. And he, I would like... To- he's become a, like, a friend of the Dan Levitard show. Mm. But not him so much as literally Jim Brockmire. And they've... You know, the show Brockmire, like that character. Mm. Okay. As... Brockmeyer, he has hosted entire shows with them in the studio. <laughs> he's called in and done a million different like things with them. He's become a part of their podcast empire. He has created a Jim Brockmeyer podcast that goes monthly within the confines of their show. Awesome! It's he's ridiculous. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. He's just ridiculous. I would like to point out that. Uh... Uh, his character growing up into being Rip Torn leads us into a segment of the show that we have not been able to actually touch on in a few episodes. And that is our Black Eye accountability score, which for this movie is zero because half of them would have been dead after being hit in the head with a wrench. (laughs) Yes, but also going back to that sneaky good writing, hitting Steve the pirate in the eye with a wrench and then the next the pat- scene oh. him having an eye patch on it is so perfect yeah it, you want a chef's kiss there it is that's absolutely and also is why i'm going to abscond or not abscond i'm going to absolve all faux pas involving black eyes in this movie because <laughs> okay having that specifically shows there was an attention to detail <laughs> And the only thing that mattered was getting that joke off. That's true. That is true. Although they did show some people icing themselves like later on. You know what I mean? Like like on spots. Like what's his name? Dwight gets like right in the top of the skull. Yeah. And then he's icing the top of his head. That's oh my god. Some of the the way that they hit, it's not even there's a number of reasons why each wrench that hits somebody makes you have a physical reaction. Well, for one uh, the sound effect. With the sound effect, absolutely. Justin Long's body flailing is number two. His and performance then, during that when the first one hits him and he's just writhing in pain, and it's yeah. like it's like part Family Guy joke, part Will Ferrell in Austin Powers. Yeah. Oh god, I'm very badly burned. <laughs> oh my goodness! And then, and, well, also the other people not really having that much of a problem with it. Yeah, like there's an initial, oh, and then it's just like, okay, that's over now, even though he's still whimpering right behind them. Yeah. Oh, that's so stupid. Uh, 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 potentially my favorite scene with Rip Torn is unfortunately not about him, but when he gets crushed by the giant sign. The two tons of irony. Two tons of irony. That That's the line. That's what really cracks me up. I'm, I don't think they make a, I'm sorry, your coach, your dodgeball coach got crushed by two tons of irony Hallmark card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you know what? With good. patches on our hand, I think we got it. You know, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. As long as we got patches, I think we uh, we got this under control. <laughs> that was the like, that's the thing, right? Like that's the you were talking about set pieces before. That's a set piece joke. That's all it is. It's like a it's a it's skit. A set, it's a set piece that was set up by connective tissue, right? right. <laughs> and that's what I was getting at. Of like, there's both like setups, there's callbacks, there's flash, yeah, you know, for, like you know, there's the setup. Uh, admittedly, I don't love the whole like premise being a joke about her being a lesbian, but like how many, like they keep driving home the fact that she's lesbian and then boom, there she is making out with a woman. Like if we're going to absolve them of the homophobia involved with that being the joke, teasing that throughout to ultimately then pay it off and then invert it and flip it. And it's like, no, you guys still don't quite have it right. Like, and it's like somehow that's the, the twist. Isn't that she's a lesbian after all that? It's that, Oh, guess what? She's not one, you know? Yeah. She's simply she's merely bisexual. It, um, to have, which Dwight responds, "Oh, snap!" <laughs> <laughs> um, there was, well, the the there was another one too. They set up like that, not to the same extent. Um, well, there was well another one. I guess this is more callback than anything. Is you know, early on when White's giving like the infomercial about how he lost all of the weight, and you know, yeah. I'm not just its number one. I'm not just the CEO. I'm its number. I'm one. also a member. Yeah, and then, you know, he's like, yeah, they show a picture of him super fat. And he's like, I've lost, you know, however much, you know. And then to put at the end him coming back and becoming super fat again, like, that was the only thing that was holding him together. There's a couple other I won that things. tournament. What's that? I won that tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Chuck Fucking Norris. Chuck Norris. <laughs> I, uh, speaking of that infomercial, that's, I forgot about that. The opening of the movie with the Global Gym infomercial that ends with, we're better than you. And, and we, we know it. <laughs> There's like a whole bunch of lines in that in that whole sequence too. Uh, I can't even remember now, but there was a bunch of little digs like that throughout it. Like that's just the big like like flourish at the oh, end yeah. of it. It's just it's so it's so funny. It pieces together so well. I I've just and we've I, gone through this whole time without even talking about Gary Cole and Jason Bateman. Oh my god! How could I forget? Yes. <laughs> Because uh, Gary Cole absolutely has some of the best lines in the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, he he is pretty great. I will also say that um, love I I love Jason Bateman in his comedy roles. He's another cat. He is a he is a Vince Vaughn type. Not that he has the same t- style, but he is a One he's note. doing the Jason Bateman yeah thing. Um, except for this, except for this role, which is what's so Why crazy. Is it my role yeah, what? Uh, it, what my favorite? I think my favorite scene with him is leg up, right? Cotton stalking. He's like zoned out. He calls on him and he goes and dodgeball, and he, <laughs> and he explains the rules. And it's like he gives it two lines, and then he goes cotton, and he <laughs> leans back. Again, I think it's just like well-written like stuff. One of my favorite lines is when the first dodgeball game, when they're in the leather stuff. And I believe the line is dominant play there by the submissive. (laughs) 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 Oh man. He's not going to be able to see. (laughs) You don't be able to see very well, Cotton. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there is one point where he gets to Cotton, where he gets to the character, where he at, oh, Cotton asks him a question. He responds very flippantly, very quickly, and it Cotton's just done. <laughs> it's so good. Speechless. <laughs> yeah. uh, Gary Cole is really funny. Yes. 
He's a, he's, he's a silly dude. We've remarked on that several times. Veep in this. Uh, oh, yeah. The, <sighs> Kent. Good old Kent. There was another... Actually, I, I meant to write it down. There was a line that he has during one of the play-by-plays or, or one of the... Like, because he has some of the... He does a great job as, like, the broadcaster that's taking the jobs too seriously. But mm-hmm. the meta joke is that he is poking fun at the whole thing by being extra pompous and, like, like perfect and professional. And, like, right. there's some of the stupid lines, like, you know, where he does... Cinderella story cast asunder, you know. Yeah, but because like that's that's so like polished broadcaster, but like you should be laughing at it, not like admiring it and like being awestruck by it. But there's a couple other lines he has that I'm drawing a blank on. There's one in particular that I know I meant to write down, and I just totally fucking whiffed on getting. Uh, let's see if I can pull. I'm looking right now to see if I can. Well, first off, I did come across the. Uh... In 23 years of broadcasting, I thought I'd seen it all, folks, but it looks like Peter LaFleur has actually blindfolded himself. <laughs> Pepper Brooks, you will not be able to see very well, Cotton. That was the line that we were referring to earlier. I, I know that I love the, the intro part where he said, this is bigger than the, you know, the, what, what did he say? Like the, like the Super Bowl, you know, something in World War II all combined together. <laughs> yeah. The, uh. Oh, that one. That was another one that I. Uh, I'm not going to read that one out, but that was he. Cotton McKnight had a line that was a little bit iffy. Uh, it was sign of the times situation. In, in reference to what? Um, uh, separating the wheat from the chaff. Yes, that one is actually a pretty funny line. <laughs> uh, the, the I just line, love that the, the possibly Canadian part of it. The, the, the line <laughs> underneath that is from Pepper Brooks that just says F and A Cotton F and A. Yeah, very well. Yeah. Oh, right in the testicles. Ouch town, population you, bro. <laughs> There's another one where he goes, you know, the what was it the I forget the name of like the the, the crew that's like the, it's like the you know the one that they're like like the hip hop like crew, you know what I mean? Uh skills that kills. Yeah, skills that kills. And he goes, you know, oh they seem to be more interesting in dancing than playing dog Yeah, They better chickity check themselves before they wreck themselves yep. <laughs> Uh, looks like it's going to be a two-on-one menage a pain. Usually you pay double for that kind of action, Cotton. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's another good one between the two of them. <laughs> and the average Joes beat the German in a shocking upset. I feel shocked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, average Joe's has a tough job facing the lumberjacks. These woodsmen probably haven't even smelled a woman in eight months. Yeah. They must masturbate a lot, Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow less subtle than I feel shocked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, let's see what we have here. <laughs> What's this? When he, when he breaks out the Japanese when they're, when they're playing. Yeah. He just breaks out a phrase in Japanese. Well, he says Domo Origato, Mr. Roboto, but there's another line he says, too. Something, yeah. Oh, my, I know what you're talking about. Is that the one that you're trying to remember? I don't think so, but it was another line that I was just like, wow. <laughs> uh, let's see. This one's pretty long. Do you believe in unlikelihoods? Average Joe is shocking the dodgeball world and upsetting Globo Gym in the championship match. Pepper Brooks. Unbelievable! 
<laughs> no, Cotton I'm- McKnight. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been to the Great Wall of China. I have seen the pyramids of Egypt. I've even witnessed a grown man satisfy a camel. But never in all my years as a, po- as a sportscaster have I witnessed something as impo- as improbable, as impossible as what we've witnessed here today. <laughs> no, that's good too. I, I want to say it was one of the either the little bit of banter during one of the matches or it was during one of those like intros or like, you know what I mean? Like, like highlight reel type. Like it was one of those things, I think. Hmm. I'm, I'm gonna keep i'll keep looking but uh the last one that they have so far before a big break of them is uh let me tell you a double fault final play elimination hasn't occurred since that helsinki episode of 1919 and i think we all remember how that turned out <laughs> yeah which, that always cracked me up um i was like who the fuck knows about a hundred years ago in fucking sweden or wood Nor- norway or wherever the fuck helsinki is <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, but it is it is fun. We get to get we get thrown back to them a bunch of times, and it's just really is really silly. I, I do enjoy the when they have the uh, the dodgeball dancers and you know some good old cl- good clean old fashioned family fun. <laughs> yep, yep, for sure. Oh man, it's uh, God, I those two characters like there's there's an unnecessary number of cameos. Yeah, and they're all perfect. And a couple of them in quick succession of having William Shatner and Chuck Norris. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, and even the two of them. Well, sure, it's but all like, it's all around. They had like well, a recurring guess, role yeah. throughout like a whole section of the. Like, I don't view it as the same. You know what I mean? That's fair. That's um, fair. Lance Armstrong, gratuitous, but yet also pretty incredible. Oh my god, that line! What is his line? He goes. He goes. You know, I was feeling pretty down when I was when I was diagnosed with brain testicular and some other sort like, of cancer all at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's but like if brain, I, lung, and testicular cancer all at the same time. He goes, but I'm sure whatever you're dying from must be pretty terrible for to make you quit. He goes, but yeah, but I got back on the bike and, like and, and won the Tour de France five times in a row. And then he goes, uh, oh, oh yeah, if uh, what, what what are you dying from? Right, yeah, now, it feels a bit like shame. Shame, <laughs> but like shame. Uh, he says, uh, oh, he says something great. He's like, oh, but if nobody gave up on anything, they'd never have anything to regret for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Don't worry. Jeez. I'm sure. I'm sure this won't haunt you for the rest of your life. <laughs> it looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story, turning average Joe's into the proverbial pumpkin. I sure do like pumpkins, Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about Las Vegas, maybe. Maybe I don't. Cotton remember. McKnight, Las Vegas, a city built of hot sand, broken dreams, and five dollar lobster. A city where you can get a happy ending if you pay a little extra. A city home to sporting events greater than the World Cup, World Series, and World War II combined. <laughs> that's, no, yeah, that, that's a great like intro line. I, I'm, I'm still, I can't recall what it was. I just remember there was one particular line where I was like, man, that's a good line. And I don't think it was one of these. I, I don't know. Maybe it might have been one of them. I, I, he has like so many lines. Because like, like, they all seem to fit in. Like, uh, these ones are like little digs out of nowhere. Like the mm-hmm. banter, like the one-two punch of him and, and Pepper. Well, this one, this one that I just scrolled to, really, this one got me when I was watching it the other day. We haven't seen Average Joes yet. They haven't made it to the court. It could be a psychological ploy or something worse. Pepper Brooks. They're definitely not on the court, Cotton. Their absence is noticeable. <laughs> Bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it pays see off. If, yeah. <laughs> that was in uh, relation to forfeiting, right? Yes. <laughs> Oh my god, it's uh, it's just it's so good, it's so good. Um, the 
Can we talk about that final scene? That final scene, that final, uh, the the sudden death yes. match with the music from the Matrix. That was the Matrix music. It right? is the Matrix music. Well, it's been a while since I'd seen the scene, and I was I was like, this is familiar, and like I think I was I just kind of forgot to like check back up with it. Like this is, I guess it makes sense for the time, right? Like, yeah, it was a few. Yeah. For sure, for sure. But like, it's like it is the music though when it's happening. Yes, which is I think was great. Uh, this one I was scrolling through the lines, um, as you know, and this one just caught my eye because it actually it ended up I ended up cracking up because of Kim during this one. But White goes, "You're going down like a sweet muffin," and Kim goes, "Did he just say sweet muffin?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man. White has a lot of great lines, as we know. Uh, last I heard, my gym makes money. Yours doesn't. My gym's worth over four million. Your gym isn't worth four. I have shareholders. You haven't even got cup holders. Cup holders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the look on Vince Vaughn's face during those scenes of like, I don't even know how to react to this is just perfect. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> <laughs> the way. That Kate slams his face into the wall in that scene prior to that is awesome. She just crushes him into the wall. Well, and also, I think the best part of that whole scene, right, is it's nobody makes me bleed my own blood. He snaps his fingers, and Michelle's immediately she, in the corner. And he pulls up on the Vespa. And he walks off and he jumps onto the back of the Vespa. With the flipping him off. off as the and I'm just so like, good. First of all, I had always wondered he walks up around the house, right? Yeah. And like you assume he's come from the car that he parked down the street, but also why down the street and not right into the field of view? Mm-hmm. And it's purely to set up that joke of him hopping on the back of the vest. Hundred percent. I ask, what was his plan if she would decide to go out with him? Were the three of them going to sit on the vest? Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I bet you he snaps his finger and the Vespa comes without Michelle on it. That's probably what happens. How? He just pushes it. Uh, <laughs> I imagine it would fall down hilariously. So, uh, one thing that now is dawning on me in that scene and then many others. So, like, we think about when you think about White Goodman, you think about him in his gym get up and you think about him in his Purple Cobras get up. But what we fail to remember is all of the ridiculous outfits that he has in between. One of which being this, the what he's wearing when he goes to her house is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the not to be shadowed by what he's wearing when he offers Peter the $100,000. And he has a... I forget what he's wearing. He story. has a, like a, a kerchief thing. Like very like frilly kerchief and like but the, that's what he's wearing for the date too, right? It, well, maybe yeah, it's, the same it's, one, it's, it's a different one though, and it's very elegant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen a hundred thousand dollars before. Maybe only in the movies, but it loses something in the translation. <laughs> that was such a great bit of anticlimax. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really was. Oh my goodness. Uh, that it, it's it's really great. There's, I mean, also, there's pretty great like non sequiturs in this movie too, right? He walks out of the door, Donde style of Biblioteca Pedro. Yeah, <laughs> we're opening up a new Globo gym in Mexico City. <laughs> Boning up on my Spanish. <laughs> oh my god, it's so it's so funny. 
circling back for a moment, uh, one thing I failed to mention, we mentioned a couple of the other, um, of the of the early scenes, the car wash scenes. There were some funny ones, but I forgot the, the one with Gordon. He's like, yeah, we haven't really made much money. Uh, we just have that one customer that keeps paying Justin to wash his tires. <laughs> Get in there and ask. Yeah. <laughs> with his finger in his belly button. Yes. Oh, it's too much. It's absolutely too much. Also, I, the, the scene where, where Patches punches him in the junk. <laughs> you gotta get angry. Uh, I guess I'm just not really an angry person. Huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just goes down. Are you angry now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's so stupid. I love it. I love it. Oh, you know what? We didn't we didn't give enough uh, time to Alan Tudyk. Yes. Uh, what a tremendous person. Really, just that first scene actually gets me when he... <laughs> that is him. once I find it. <laughs> yeah, that, just that whole thing. Uh, the, uh, I, it's so hard. Like, in a movie that has... Yeah. Peter. Peter. <laughs> in a movie that has no right to be this heartbreaking, when, he, when Peter tells him he's not a pirate, your heart breaks. Yeah. Breaks. You're and then when he has, he has the shake thrown at him... Ugh. That's horrible. Get out of here, freak. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go back to Treasure Island. Yeah, that's right. Oh, my goodness. Horrible. Can't even... Can't stand it. Can't. It was, it was very Zoolander walking out of the bar saying, Who am I? Vibes. Yeah. <laughs> God? <laughs> Hi! <laughs> he's, he's great. He's such a good voice actor, too. He's just... Yes. Oh, man, he cracks me up. He was I just great. want to see him in he was so great many more things. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh man, I I love it. I love this movie. It's so it's it's so silly. It's uh, 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 like I said, there are there are things that don't hold up for sure. It's worth looking past, um, because there is something there. This is a. It's weird. Like there's a type of movie. This is one of them where it's just like. This was, this is, it, it, we've talked about this before where like it embodies the era. Like the, this is the early 2000s comedy is this movie. And you don't get that movie anymore. No. And I don't really know why. Money. Is it, is it money? Yes. There's been a lot of think pieces written about that over the last few years. I know the ringer has tackled it. Um, the mid-budget comedy doesn't exist anymore. Mm, okay. Uh, it either is cost $2 to make, or it's a sitcom on television. Well, more likely on a streaming service, but still. Sure. There's no, like, mid-budget... Well, there's no mid- mid-budget movies, period. There's no mid-to-big-budget comedies. Like, it just doesn't... Like, they don't make them anymore. Because there's no... Basically, the way that Hollywood has gone is it's either make... A crazy expensive movie that's going to make a crazy amount of money because it will draw a ton of attention even if the profit margin isn't there or mm-hmm. make a movie that costs you a hundred thousand dollars to make and can make ten million dollars in like profit you know what i mean yeah there's no such thing as the this is the 20 million dollar movie that makes 35 million dollars yeah that's annoying because these were this is there was a lot of gold that came out of this stuff but 
I mean that think, er, that that whole era of like the like the frat pack like movies of like you know this and old school and Wedding Crashers and Anchorman and all mm-hmm. those things, all the Apatow and McKay stuff, all the Wilson Vaughn Stiller, Farrell stuff, like those. Yeah. It was they they dominated movies from the early two thousands to around twenty ten or so, right? And it's like. That whole like decade run, there. How many laughs were in there, right? Yeah, no, it's 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 true. I will say, like, you know, I think about that now, and I'm like, oh, I wish they would still make that. But there will be a time again where, like, a wave of something, whether it's something like that or something fresh, that has that same, maybe not that same, but uh, a close enough feel of excitement and entertainment and like funny that really. Honestly, I'm just I'm all about the stuff that makes me like really belly laugh. Like when I when there's a scene that when it hits me the first time and I can't stop laughing, you don't get that a lot. I understand that you're not going to get that all the time, right? Like it's yeah. that, honestly that's that's probably what makes it is when something is that funny. It took a while to hit there, but like every couple every year, every couple of years, I got one through these things, and it's like I'm looking for that again. I feel like it's been a minute. Yeah, no, it has. It's. Uh... Well, that's what I said. It's it's basically moved to television, right? It's your Parks and Rec. It's your Shit's Creek. It's sure. Oh, I mean, it didn't move from from that group and that style to like the Rogan era of things. Uh, yeah, and which also, again, it, it was hysterical. The thing is, you don't realize you're in those things when you're in them until they're over. Yeah. Right, and right now it's 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 semi over. I think Andy Samberg is probably the closest thing I've gotten to that. Like the like Palm Springs, I thought was hysterical. Yeah, but that feels like an oasis in a desert of like Ag- agreed, agreed. It's because it's it, it was very much a one off, and almost so much so that it it felt out of place. Well, even that though, sure, it's a mid low mid budget movie, but it's a streaming. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, even if I did see it in theaters the first time, rest in peace. Um, I miss the theater, man. I, I know I went once in, in this madness, but it still feels weird. Still feels weird. Looking yeah, forward to get back I to mean, it one day. It's, it's been eight months since yeah. I've been in a theater. Slightly more, maybe. I can't wait to go every week because <laughs> it's, it's going to happen. I've got some. I've got some time to make up. But uh, do you have any other notes on this film? No, I think uh, I think we just about covered it. Well, then that's all for this week's episode of Flicks and the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks and the Six at thespintune.com or tweet us at thespintune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Casanza. I'm Al Bielsa. Thanks for coming out. <laughs>